0: Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans from his undisclosed bunker. Here is your host, Tony Reed.
1: Oh, uh, what happened last night? Uh, this this felt uh, american What happened last night? Okay, uh, basically a chant, "Send her back," is not. Yeah, you know, it's not the America that that my parents came to get for us for exiles for brown people like there's a racial division in this country that's being instigated uh by the president and we here at espn haven't had the stomach for that fight because jamel did some things on twitter and you saw what happened after that and then here all of a sudden nobody talks politics on anything unless we can use one of these sports figures as a meat shield in the most cowardly possible way to discuss these subjects but what happened last night at this rally is deeply offensive, um, done by the president of our country. And this tweet from Nick Wright, if you're listening to people chant, send her back about a Somali refugee who serves in Congress. Uh, Nick Wright writes, I don't talk politics on here, but this isn't political. This is obvious. This is abhorrent, obviously racist, dangerous rhetoric, and not calling it out makes you complicit. The send her back chant and the go back to where you came from are so antithetical to what we should be. It is so right what he is saying there. It is so wrong what the president of our country is doing, trying to go down, getting reelected by dividing the masses at a time when the old white man, the old rich white man feels oppressed, being attacked by minorities. Black people, brown people, women. That's who we're going after now. Black people, brown people, women. And that's the, like, let's do it as the platform. That's what you're seeing. And the only way we can discuss it around here, because this isn't about politics. It's about race. What you're seeing happening around here is about race. And it's been turned into politics. And we only talk about it around here when Steve Kerr Popovich says something. We don't talk about what is happening unless there's some sort of weak cowardly sports angle that we can run it through when sports has always been a place where this stuff changes where stuff wait man muhammad ali was fighting for this stuff in the 60s the bill russell and jim brown are really old kareem abdul jabbar is old these people who were fighting uh, the most powerful among us in sports who are fighting in the real in the civil rights era for things atrocities happening to black people that we're still paying for now in a country where this is our greatest sin what has happened to minorities in this country? They're old and dying. Jim Brown walks with a cane, man. He walks with a cane. He's going to go to the grave without having seen change. He's going to go to the grave with Colin Kaepernick still out of the league, Black, literally blackballed because we're taking this stuff and making it about the flag when it's not about the flag. It's about race, it's like burning a cross and saying it's about God. This isn't about the flag. It's are you? This is deeply offensive. To me, as somebody whose parents made all the sacrifices to get to this country, send her back. How are you any more American than her? You're more privileged. You're whiter. You're richer. People don't know whether your money's real or not. You've had every privilege afforded to you by America. Every privilege. And now what you do with that power is you go after brown people and black people and minorities. And around here, we won't talk about it. We won't talk about it unless... Russell Wilson is saying something about it on his Instagram page. Then we have the power to run with it. Weak ass shield. It is antithetical to what we should be. And if you're not calling it abhorrent, obviously racist, dangerous rhetoric, you're complicit. And welcome back to
2: Flyover Politics podcast. It's the twenty fourth of July year of our Lord, twenty nineteen. Today's show show sure show could do the same as it did last time new social media nuggets up front into a segment hate tweets this is america which is pretty big today that's probably the main news too because it's just same old same old in our country Uh, the ever-present we can accuse people of being racist and then we find out it's all a lie but the media doesn't retract it Our intro today was Dan Levitard, because once again, Dan Levitard, you know, I've listened to that show. When I used to drive, I listened a lot, and it is funny, just because of Stugatz, but the politics of Dan Levitard have always been a problem. He has a problem with white people. He doesn't like white people. He doesn't like America. He damn sure doesn't like conservatives. And he decided once again to go off the rails about the sender back statement And then, of course, ESPN goes back to their no politics. We've lost too many viewers. People are shutting us off. Nobody wants to hear our politics, which is invariably uber-lefty. We know that all we ever put out on ESPN is social justice warrior stuff. You don't talk about the guy who starts his own church. You talk about the guy who hates God and was an immigrant or whatever. Or he's gay. So, President insist Jimmy Pataro, we are not a political network, really. You have everyone fooled this week when your network TV host talk show Dan Levitard went off on Trump over the controversy surrounding radical leftist Ilhan Omar. There's a racial division in this country that's been instigated by the President, and we here at ESPN haven't had the stomach for the fight he also agreed with Fox Sports' Nick Wright, who tweeted an attack on President's remarks that Congressman Omar should return to the native Somalia and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places in which they came from. Bez Beeler of the Washington Post sports staff reported ESPN is now engaged in damage control, trying to reassure the public that it's a no-politics policy hasn't changed. Good luck with that. Lebatard agreed with a tweet by Nick Wright. Bashing the president on Wednesday, Wright wrote, "I don't talk politics on here, but this isn't political. This is obvious. This is abhorrent. We already covered it on the show, and it goes over and over. And he Levitard did the same old things. I'm. It's deeply offensive, and blah blah blah. So, ESPN sent out a reminder." ESPN is making sure that its employees know there is not change in the network's policy to avoid talking about politics unless it intersects with sports after radio talk show host Dan Levitard criticized Trump and his recent racist comments in ESPN itself on the air this week. Racist comments. It goes without saying. That's our problem. We automatically say it's racist. Everything's Racist. The reminder went out Friday to all employees, including Levitard, according to ESPN employee who spoke on a condition of anonymity Saturday because the person was not authorized to speak publicly about the personnel matters and probably get kicked off for getting caught if He did talk about it. Yeah. Why don't liberals get it? Why can't they understand that when we go to watch sports, we just want sports? We just want to get away from the politics. There are a thousand channels every day bashing Trump on our TV. Bashing Christians. Bashing conservatives. Bashing people that don't want open borders. We'll cover more on that after our news and social media nuggets. Because I watched America Divided with American Ferrara. Who hates America. And it was the most one-sided bullshit I've ever seen in my life. And it never addressed the sole problem with immigration, which is you came here illegally. We are all immigrants. We came from other countries, but we did it legally. These people are not. But more on that when we get to it. And they don't understand that Americans don't want to do stupid liberal things like slave reparations. Axios, no conservative site. A significant majority of Americans believe that providing reparations for descendants of slaves and criminalizing illegal border crossings are bad ideas, according to a new poll. What's really scary, though, a Harris poll for Axios on HBO showed that 55% of women between 18 and 54 would prefer to live in a socialist country than a capitalist country. Yeah, that was what also in there. But to the actual point, it's a significant majority of Americans believe that providing reparation for the descendants of slaves and criminalizing illegal border crossings are a bad idea, according to a poll by NPR, PBS, NewsHour, and Marist. Why it matters. Both issues have been gaining traction in progressive circles, with reparation receiving its first congressional hearing in years last month. They've also been brought to the forefront of Democratic presidential primary with a number of candidates stating that they support decriminalizing border crossings. The big picture is this is Axios Adler article, not Newsmax. Several other high-profile progressive policies appear to be very popular within the general electorate, including background checks for private gun sales, a public auction for Medicare, the New Green Deal, and a wealth tax. Others, such as Universal Basic Income Proposal, championed by Yang, And national health insurance for undocumented immigrants were overwhelmingly rated as bad ideas. So you see right up front, they push the liberal shit, then they get to the point. Background checks, 89% of what they polled. Because we already have background checks, but that's okay. Medicare for all, 70%. We already have Medicare for all when you turn a certain age. Legalizing marijuana nationally, 63%. Green New Deal, 63%. Wealth tax on income above 1 million, 62 Eliminating the Electoral College, 42 National insurance for undocumented immigrants, 33 Reparations, 27. Universal basic income, 26. They didn't break down the inlays. So, my point and why I covered up front. This is Axios, NPR, NBC. Do you think that's an outlier poll? No, it, it, it's an outlier for authenticity, uh, getting conservatives, independents. They, they don't do that. that that's a straight-up liberal poll. And within liberals, my friends, the crazy is good, but they're not even for eliminating the electoral college at 42% immigrant insurance 33% reparations 27 the, the they don't even believe it themselves their base doesn't even want it but the problem is the media and the people running the democratic party they think that's the ticket to win cuz they know they don't have anything else to offer I mean, we'll get more into it when we get to that section. But folks, right up front, let's be honest. If Democrats actually did comprehensive immigration reform, they wouldn't have a cudgel to call everybody racist. If Democrats literally fixed and did economic packages, they wouldn't be able to say, well, we're not paying people the rich and the poor or the us and them. If they actually addressed Roe v. Wade as it was written, that it's authorized to allow restrictions. And we came up with a restriction, 33 weeks, 34 weeks, some crazy thing that the most of us is still killing a baby. They couldn't say everybody's sexist. Or more often not racist. Because they pray, Planned Parenthood, on black people and women of color for their abortions. It's a cudgel. They need the cudgel. That's why they don't address any of this. And that's why they didn't address it during their time of running this country with a Democratic president. They had total control other than the Senate, but they had it so close that the Senate was pretty much theirs. They didn't address any of this, and they caged kids and separated families and did everything we're gnashing teeth about right now when they were in charge. Luckily, the American people see through that. But I digress. Let's have fun up front. Let's go to news, social, media,
3: nuggets. Were you trying to get crazy with this thing? Don't you know I'm loco?
4: Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind.
2: Military corner, right up front, some bad stuff, South Korea fires warning shots at Russian and Chinese military planes entering airspace, it is getting froggy in that part of the world, and it's also getting froggy in Iran, so our last podcast, they grabbed a tanker, there's actually video now, I was going to play it, but it's not really worthy of playing, you don't really hear anything And now they've got a, uh, sentences, CIA spying to death, publishes video and photos of Americans. Um, the U S simultaneously is staging troops at key Saudi bases. It's a liberal article that basically goes through the many different ways that it's our fault that the Middle East is a clusterfuck, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's really kind of bad. It goes through all the way back to fucking Gulf one, um, But there's some dangerous shit going on in the world, folks. And it's not pretty whatsoever. And I don't think we have the eye on the ball as usual. We're still playing stupid little words. It's word games. Word smithing. We don't do things big. We do things small. The next outrage was over Top Gun. Top Gun sequel, co-produced by Chinese Tencent, appears to remove Japanese-Taiwanese flag. Eagle-eyed viewers have spotted a curious discrepancy in the first trailer for Top Gun Maverick, the sequel to the beloved 80s classic Top Gun, which Paramount debuted Thursday. The patches on the iconic leather jacket worn by star Tom Cruise no longer bear the Taiwanese and Japanese flag. One possible reason for the difference could be that Top Gun Maverick is being produced in part by t Pictures, a Chinese film distributor and production company. T-Cent is cold Co-financed Wonder Woman, Kong, Skull Island, Venom, Terminator, Dark Fate. They even did The Mag. You watch that's totally Chinese or Chinese made with a lot of Chinese people and Chinese actors. So it was Chinese. Uh, This goes on to talk about a lot of things, but here's the deal. I'm kind of going with what other people are saying. I don't think that's the case. I think he was wearing his dad's stat stuff. It was his dad's jacket. It was worn. Now he's wearing his jacket. And in the big picture, I give two fucks what he's wearing. It's Maverick, for God's sake. The conservatives were acting like social justice warriors, losing their fucking minds over a goddamn jacket in a trailer. Get over it. It's Maverick. He can be fucking naked. I'll just avoid the dick shots, and we'll drive on. It's Maverick. The sad news: West Virginia soldier dies in Kuwait non-combat incident. A West Virginia Army soldier is dying in a non-combat related incident. Pentagon says 30-year-old Sergeant William Edward Freese from Rockport, West Virginia. Died Thursday in Camp Burr in Kuwait. The incident is under investigation. They're not saying how it happened. God be with his family. Simultaneously, Navy ends search for sailor missing from the aircraft carrier Abraham Lincoln. The Navy ended his search and rescue efforts in Arabian Sea on Friday without finding a missing sailor believed to have gone overboard from an aircraft carrier, Abraham Lincoln. Earlier this week, the missing sailor, whose identity has not been released, is assigned to Helicopter Sea Squad Combat Squadron 5. The sailor is believed to have gone overboard the morning of July 17th. According to Navy News release, he searched surface efforts were called off after the Navy officials said there were extensive attempts to locate the sailor. The sailor's family has been notified. The release states, Our thoughts and prayers are with the families and shipmates of our lost sailor. That is just fucking horrible. You know, you saw it in World War II movies. They couldn't stop, and if guys fell over, they were just fucked. But that has to be the most horrendous way to die I can think of. Falling off a ship, you watch the ship go away, and you tread water until you muscle failure and die. That's That's just crazy. To the Iran drone we knocked down, the new Marine Corps weapon that destroyed it. The new Marine Corps anti drone system that attaches to all terrain vehicles and can scan the skies for enemy aircraft from aboard Navy ships was responsible for destroying the drone. Marine Corps Light Marine Air Defense Integrated System, known as El Madis, jammed an Iranian drone that President Donald Trump said flew with a thousand yards of a Navy warship. The official spoke on of anonymity due to the sensitivity of the mission. The California based 11th Marine Expeditionary Unit deployed in the Middle East with El Madis. I wonder if the Mattis is on purpose. The defense official said the unit, include, which includes about 2,200 Marines, is currently on a six-month sea deployment with Navy Boxer Amphibious Reading Group. Trump said the amphibious assault ship Boxer took defensive actions. That's pretty cool that we even have that kind of ship, but that means that our enemies do, too. <clears throat> Army lets slip that it's conducting secret operations around D.C., the Pentagon has revealed a few details about a secret Army mission that has Black Hawk helicopters flying missions over Washington, D.C. area, backed by active duty and reserve soldiers. The mysterious classified operation was disclosed when the Army asked Congress for approval to shift funds to provide an extra $1.55 million for aircraft maintenance, air crews, and travel and support of an EM mission. Hmm. Leonardo Helicopter clears final FAA approval. Leonardo's TH-119 helicopter clears final certification hurdle with the Federal Aviation Administration on Thursday, securing an essential requirement in the company's bid to replace the United States Navy aging training helicopter fleet. If the Italian helicopter company ensures or secures the contract, hundreds of Philadelphia jobs could be sustained. The company's TH-119 is now the only single-engine helicopter in nearly 30 years to meet current Instrument flight rules requirement. To me, it just looks like a ripoff of the Blackhawk, but anyway. Then we go to Army stuff. Autoloader may be a challenge for Army's new self-propelled cannon. The U.S. Army is poised to see its dream of fielding an auto-loading, self-propelled howitzer become a reality nearly two de- decades after the Pentagon killed the service futuristic crusader program. The Army spent about $2 billion on Crusader, a 155mm howitzer equipped with an autoloader capable of sustaining rate of fire that far outmatched the manual-loaded M109 Paladin. Before then, Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld killed the program in 2002, according to press reports. The heavily armored system weighs about 40 tons and relied on a separate ammunition vehicle. 17 years later, the service is developing the Extended Range Cannon Artillery, or ERCRA, ERCA! An upgrade from the self-propelled M109A7 Paladin that's been designed to shoot out to 70 kilometers with a sustained rate of fire of 6 to 10 rounds per minute. IRCA is one of the programs under the Army's long-range precision fires effort, its top modernization priority. Extending the Paladin's range from 30 kilometers to 70 kilometers involves replacing the Paladin's 39 caliber gun tube with a much longer tube as well as using the xm 1113 next generation rocket assisted projectile and extended range propellant charges. Hmm. Caliber length is expressed in multiple of bore diameter, so the 155 millimeter is about 6 inches. 39 calibers of length is about 20 feet long. We're going to replace the 39 caliber gun tube with a 58 caliber gun tube is about 30 feet long. It'll reach out and touch you at 70 kilometers. That's pretty fucking badass. To marksmanship, the mar- these Marines are becoming crack shots thanks to robot targets that move like humans. The 2nd Marine Division of North Carolina, troops who have spent their career shooting at static bullseyes on paper, are being forced to adapt to a new kind of targeting that can change charge at them, move in unexpected directions, respond when engaged, and even shout at them in a foreign language. The division is the first operational unit in the military to employ autonomous marathon targets, humanoid figures on four-wheeled platforms that can be programmed to operate in concert and are fast and unpredictable enough to rock the most experienced marksmen back on their heels. The targets have been a subject of experimentation within the Marine Corps for several years. The Marine Corps' War Fighting Lab out of Quantico, Virginia, has taken point on experimentation with the system, and in 2018, Commandant General Robert Neller commissioned a study on how the targets could improve marine skills and training quality. But officials at 2nd Marine Division were not content to wait until service-wide decision was made on how to use the robots. When the Marine Corps budget became constrained at the end of the last fiscal year due to storm repair and other costs, Chief Warrant Officer 5 Joshua Smith Division gunner for the 2nd Marine Division said he stepped in to save the experimentation effort. When I first approached 2nd Marine Division Commanding General General David Furness and told him the Marine Corps could not fiscally afford to keep these targets for the next year, he immediately responded, "Find a way to get the money. I want these targets for the division." Smith told the military.com the division ended up leasing 16 targets for a total cost of 2.1 million dollars. This may sound steep compared to traditional static targets, but Smith noted having targets that move mean he can modernize or alter any range cheaply in the space of an hour. The Marine Corps, Smith said, recently abandoned a plan to convert all its rifle ranges from yards to meters, an effort that would allow Marines to operate more easily with other services and other nations' militaries because of the towering cost, estimated at $1 per berm. How do you do that on the cheap? You move the target, he said. You don't move the berm. And this goes on to talk about how this really has helped them. They've even used it for live fires with uh, claymores. It's a durable target, and it looks like a person moving, and that's pretty fucking badass. New military suicide report may revive debate over gun restrictions. A new report from the Defense Department is likely to revive debate over the prospect of using means restrictions. Limiting access to firearms as a way to reduce the number of suicides among U.S. troops. According to a DOD report on military suicides in 2017, released Wednesday, two-thirds of suicides among active-duty personnel that year were by firearm, a statistic consistent with the previous five years. Of the 309 suicides among active-duty troops in 2017, firearms played a role in 202 deaths. Most were privately owned guns, not service weapons. In a study published last month in JAMA Network Open, researchers found that the suicide rate among soldiers who owned guns was higher than their peers who didn't. And storing a bloated gun at home or carrying one was associated with a 4 increase in the odds of suicide death among soldiers. Studies suggest that promoting separate storage of guns and ammunition, as well as discouraging public carry when not on duty, will reduce the military suicide rate, which in 2017 was nearly 22 deaths per 100,000 troops. I disagree with this, but some of the stats are really, really sad. According to the 2017 DOD Suicide Event Report, the suicide rate for active duty troops was 21.9 deaths per 100,000 members. A rate similar to 2016's 21.5 per 100,000. The rates for the individual service were 100,000, were 24.3 for the Army, 23.4 for the Marine, 19.3 for the Air Force, 20.1 for the Navy. And that surprised me because you think the Air Force would have the least amount of suicides because the Air Force lives high on the hog, but I guess that doesn't really matter. You can take the guns away. It's mental illness, folks. I hate to sound like the NRA, but that's what we're not fixing. They've gone to a new approach where you basically self refer yourself. It's not in your records, so they can't hurt your career, but at the same time, you have to report to people I have a doctor's appointment. And eventually, after five, six, seven, eight, doctor's appointment what the fuck's wrong with you jim they find out anyway the marines called on commandant to fix the corps identity crisis here's his response let me try to just get to the response uh, sure, the access of, support of the fleets, a single-purpose-built future force, burger added, will be applied against other challenges across the globe. However, we will not seek to hedge or balance our investments to account for those contingencies. In other words, Marines will be able to operate in urban or cold-weather environments, but they'll be trained and equipped first and foremost as a naval expeditionary fort. Combat's vision followed several new global threats, including China, blah, blah, blah. Mm-mm. So his answer is what every other Marine has ever said. We're Marines. We kick ass. Good for you. Got to respect the jarheads. And that takes us to our college crazy. And we start with study. Faculty diversity at near standstill despite millions spent by university. Here's just some of them. for 23 to 2017 at such institutions, tenured faculty who were Hispanic and Latino only grew 0.06, or excuse me 0.65%. So not a full percent. Well, African American tenured faculty increased by only 0.1%. Asian Americans saw only a 1.94% increase. Graduate schools saw similar rises. Or excuse me, results, with tenured Hispanic Latino faculty rising .64, African American 0.07. But just like STEM, they just threw a bunch of fucking money at it, and it still didn't change anything. And you got to think, these are the places where I walk in, have a resume that's A. The person comes in next to me, resume B, but they're a person of color, and they get the first shake. And it still didn't change anything. So, uh, yeah, what does that say about your whole fucking problem? Professor displayed un... Fuck America button will now hold Trump themed craft exhibit. Rochester Institute of Technology professor tweeted Unfuck America button asking, Is this the opposite of Mega? Before the 2018 midterm elections, will host a new art exhibit featuring politically charged artwork in the age of President Donald Trump. Crafting Democracy, Fiber Arts and Activism, an exhibit set to run from August to October, will explore the phenomenon of craft activism. During the 2016 presidential race and Trump presidency, according to the Writ press release, a Writ professor who is very closely involved with the exhibit told Campus Reform on Background that the aim of the show is to turn to handcraft as a mechanism for expression and the opportunity to comment on our democracy, including the presidential administration, whether some art may be considered anti-Trump would be best answered by the artist and our visitors. We're back to knitting to hate Trump. Do you remember that? All the pussy hats, and we knitted. My daughter was one of them. We knitted because we hate America. Yeah, that's fantastic. Next, Professor, when I said mega teens are modern day Hitler jigging, jugend, I meant it. I don't want to say the fucking world. J.T. Insurgent Professor Megateens, or modern day Hitter Jugend. J-U-G-E-N-D got a uniform and everything Thomas confirmed that he meant what he said in Wednesday's tweet, which appeared to refer to the rally at which the crowd chanted "Ilyan Omar, go the fuck home to Somalia And yeah, you can see the little tweets, really they're really proud of themselves. The University of Mississippi professor said the U.S. senator don't deserve your civility just days after Senator Cruz run out of a Washington, D.C. restaurant by anti-Brick Kravanaugh protesters was granted tenure Thursday by the Board of Trustees of State Institution of Higher Learning. While professors typically are granted this perk not afforded to professionals in other industries without opposition, Ole Miss sociology professor James Thomas' tenure recommendation was debated by the governing body for at least two hours before eventually being approved, but not without some dissent, according to news release. While the professor's statements on social media were considered, ultimately, it was the recommendation of the professor's institution, the University of Mississippi, that carried the greatest weight in the majority of the board decisions, because we hate those people also. Well, good for them. It's always nice to throw Nazi around when it doesn't apply. University of Florida professor in New York Times, Ice is American Nightmare aimed at institutionalizing racism. Oh, really? Were they under Obama? Were they deported more people? Hmm. University of Florida professor claimed that Ice is President Donald Trump's tool to make America whiter again. In Friday, New York Times op-ed, Darlena Kanuha, an adjutant professor, at the University of Florida, and freelance journalist made the remarks while outlining the case of Tracy Nutzi, a Trump voter and Florida resident who had an invalid birth certificate and was unable to obtain a passport in a piece with the New York Times. ICE is not, of course, just a run-of-the-mill government bureaucracy doing necessary work to keep our borders intact she argued. Under Trump, a wildly invigorated ICE has become an American nightmare, nothing less than the main thrust of an attempt to institutionalize racism against the scapegoated minority. Undocumented, non-voting, mostly voiceless brown people. Furthermore, the professor contends, because she just didn't have enough space to get her anger out, ICE is Trump's main instrument for the dirty work of trying to make America whiter again without regards for family values due process human rights or even plain human decency she went on to break down she describes cases in which ICE detained or sought further proof of citizenship from individuals who are indeed citizens she claimed the current case was resolved without deportation but warned people caught up in ICE's looming roundups won't have three months Mrs. Nutzi had they'll get booted I'm gonna wait till the good stuff to talk about American Ferrara because that was her thing too. Councilman who spearheaded ban on gendered words credits UC Berkeley experience and there you go that just makes total sense doesn't it? I mean it makes sense to me. I went to Berkeley so I'm a wordsmith. How do I ban words and win the argument? South South Dakota Regent President I will investigate campus diversity offices for left-leaning bias. South Dakota's starting to tighten up their shock group up there because they're realizing we've covered it a couple times. They put out million dollars of taxpayer money to indoctrinate our kids to be fucking fascists. Then we go out to Oregon, and for Matt and Sean, you suck for not sending me this one. I found it. New bill allows Oregon students to take mental health days. Yeah, that's just stupid. The students behind the measure say it's meant to change the stigma around mental health. Oregon will allow students to take mental health days just as they would sick days, expanding the reasons for excused school absences to include mental or behavioral health under a new law that ex- experts say is one of the first of its kind in the U.S. But don't call it coddling. The students behind the measure say it's meant to change the stigma around mental health in the state that is some of the United States' highest suicide rates mental health experts say it's one of the first state laws to explicitly instruct schools to treat mental health and physical health equally and it comes at a time educators are increasingly considering the emotional health of students Utah passed a similar law last year Oregon's bill signed in by Kate Brown a fucking fruit bat last month also represent one of the few wins for youth activists so they can just pull out their stress cards like they did in basic training for a while I just can't take it I need to stay home and be on Twitter and Instagram all day when that's the real reason they have mental health problems. Yeah, that makes sense. Good job, folks. Women's group complains about women holding most college debt blame sexism. On Friday, an organization that sprang up in the wake of the Me Too movement, Time's Up, tweeted a study. The American Association of the University of Women claiming the gender wage gap is to blame for women holding the majority of student debt. Women hold almost two-thirds of the outstanding student debt in the U.S., about $929 billion. The gender pay gap is one factor that keeps women from paying off their debt quickly as men. The problem with this theory is, somehow when they went to college, they didn't do math. Yeah. Majority of people graduating from college are women. Title IX had so much effect... That there's more women in college than there are men, thus they hold more death. It's called a calculator. Find one, you fucking fruit bats. Fruit bats are today's theme. I'm kind of tired of saying my bats. It's official! Tessa Thompson Valkyrie will be the Marvel's first LGBTQ EIEIO superhero. When Thor Ragnarok was released in theaters in November, Tessa Thompson stole the show as the badass Valkyrie. However, criticism arose when her rich backstory was scrapped. And the fascinating character was relegated to a supporting character in a plot device. In fact, Thompson's previously noted she incorporated her character's backstory and her portrayal. In the canon, Valkyrie is bisexual. You see her with women and men on a comic book. And we just presume they're fucking. Okay. Because you didn't show them fucking in the comic book. But okay. So that was my intention in playing her. she told Variety. Obviously, at the forefront of most of these stories is not typically the romantic life. They have big stakes, like saving the world, so that tends to sort of trump their story. However, our sister site, io9, got the official scoop from producer Kevin Fang at the Comic-Con in San Diego. The Marvel Cinematic Universe will get its first LGBTQ, EIEIO superhero, which will be Valkyrie in the upcoming Thor Love and Thunder. The answer is yes, Fang confirmed. How that impacts the story remains to be seen with the level of representation you'll see across our film. Not in just Thor. As those who saw Avengers Endgame, every damn body, Thor, handed over the reins of Valkyrie to rule New Asgard, moving forward. Thus, Valkyrie is running this shit. The fourth part of the Thor saga, she's looking for someone to stand by her. A new king, she needs to find her queen. Yeah, that's just fucking fantastic just fantastic just fantastic that's what we need our kids more brainwashed look at her she likes to eat vag that's so important to our comic book story which brings us to Jessica Yanef in 2018 Yanef born Jonathan Yanef he looks like me with a beehive that's how unfeminine this guy looks filed 16 human rights complaints with the British Columbia Human Rights Trib- Trib- Tribunal, charging various waxing and aesthetic salon workers with transphobic discrimination for declining to provide waxing and other beautification services to her male generals. She walked in and says, I want a bikini wax. They go, you wear a fucking Speedo. You have junk. We can't wax it like that. Oh, you're transphobic. Each of these salons or salon workers had specifically indicated they only provide intimate area services to females and challenged Yanev on her gender due to her then-male name being used on social media and male-representing photograph. It is worth noting that Yanev used male pronouns and her male name on her LinkedIn and various social media accounts as late as November 2018. Of the 16 defendants, many are women of color with religious and or cultural backgrounds, which would have regulated or otherwise made it strictly uncomfortable to have close interaction with male junk. Yanov complained, complaints were effectively asserting that it should be made a legal precedent that female aesthetics not be allowed to refuse male body clients, not on religious grounds, not on cultural grounds, not because of their comfort level, not even because they did not have professional skills or equipment required to m- successfully perform the very specific Manzilian procedure. They simply should not be allowed to refuse contact with the penis, period. In short, Yanev is stunningly brave. Tatiana McGrath is the one that tweeted this shit. This is brave woman who's a dude taking multiple female beautifications to court in British Columbia for refusing to wax her scrotum. She wrote that. Her scrotum. Women don't have scrotums. What the fuck is wrong with you in biology? Find a book. When it comes to social justice, Canada always seems to be light years ahead. So I originally found this because Richie Ricky Gervais got mugged on social media. If a lady wants smooth bollocks, then she should be able to force people to wax them. It's the rules. The sad state of affairs when a lady can't have her hairy balls waxed. <laughs> exactly. And if you don't want butter my balls and put them between two slices of bread, don't work in a sandwich sop. He got clubbed for this. Then I found a conservative tranny. I was going to play it. I'm not going to play it. It's like 15 minutes long. Which actually brings up who this person is? Now understand, this was a Twitter moment. Everybody went crazy about this. Yaniv is so brave. Then Yaniv just went the fuck away like the bathwater, and I kind of wondered why. Here's the why: a young woman has come forward with serious allegations of abuse against Jonathan Jessica Yaniv. Oh, they dead named, sure did. Breaking other people. Jessica Rumphill, Hyper Jezer, the young woman who Jay Yanov engaged in inappropriate sexual behavior with when she was between the ages of 14 and 15, has confirmed she has filed a child exploitation report against Yanov with Cybertip on the incident. I spoke to the very brave Hyper Jezer, who was just 14 years old when she met Jay Janov. Yanov, she revealed all about Yanov's inappropriate and disturbing sexual behavior towards her. She spoke out because she wants to stop Yanov's abuse once and for all. At first, I thought, you know, this guy seems to have some kind of mental issue of some sort. I didn't think he was a predator at first. Yeah, it's called gender dysphoria, and he wants to get a bikini wax on his ball sack. Rumpel states that Yanev sent her a series of disturbing questions while anonymous before adding her to a private messenger application, Kik. Kik is known to law enforcement for his notorious poor protections of children and his routine usage by pedophiles to message each other and their victims. According to Rumpel, Yanev allegedly presented himself as a young male in his late 20s and claimed that he used pictures of himself when he was younger in their initial conversation. The Predator, trusted nerd, reportedly sexually harassed a 15-year-old child, including asking her to send him a picture of her used tampon. This is the man that Twitter has enabled by slicing two of his critics. Huge scandal for Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's... these, These are the people... That I'm supposed to bow down to their 95 pronouns. This is no different than the fucking... Whatever amazing kid who's an eight-year-old drag queen who strips for gay men. It is a perversion. And you can try to make maps a thing, progressives. Map, minor attracted person, will never be a thing... In the real world. <sighs> i got to breathe for a second because that whole thing just makes me want to vomit. Jesus Christ on a popsicle stick. Moving on to racist shit. I found these articles and I don't know how. It just popped up one day. The difference between white women and black women by Azina Okoha. White women are women. Black women are black women. White women have the right to wile out unapologetically. Black women are angry and bitter if they dare to express intense emotion. White women are often regarded with high esteem and acceptance based on just being white. Black women are regarded with whatever the regardee decides, which is usually not much at all, even after exceedingly all the requirements. White women can be as gnarly as they want to be, and this is generally accommodated and even celebrated with a heightened arousal by the opposite sex. Black women can't afford to be gnarly. If we even attempt such a venture, we end up dead. Ask Sandra Bland. She's dead. And she wasn't even close to being the bitch that black women are portrayed to be. She was fighting for a right to be heard and respected and die in the midst of that battle. Blah, blah, blah. Next article. Dear white women, interracial relationships and biracial children do not absolve you of racism. This is from the Root. There she was, a blonde woman with big blue eyes, hair cornrowed tight, with a caramel-colored black child sitting in the back seat. The question on Mutual Friends Facebook post asked if voters were happy with the decision to elect Donald Trump president. The white woman responded that she was satisfied with the job Trump was doing, and that she supported him because he was her president. Because this was publicly shared on Facebook, and seeing as how I'm a card-carrying registered asshole, I boldly ask how she could support someone who openly demonized and marginalized people of color, including her son, Megan, yes, that's her name, because isn't it always? Doesn't have any concrete response, and according to her, she doesn't owe anyone an explanation as to why she made a decision that would adversely affect her children, and children who look like them. She did, however, wonder why she was being called a racist because she voted for Trump. Now, I, I had not called her that, but I mean, hey, if the UGG fits. She finished by accusing me of jealously. I must be envious, she said, because she lies down next to a black Republican every night and takes black dick, and she was better off than the black woman commenting. She apparently thought that with all my black femme desperation, I must be jealous of great value versions of black women who place themselves on a pedestal for snagging. Black men who don't want to associate with black people. This woman believes that her affinity for black men means she cannot be a racist. Sadly, cyber pecking or warped ideology are not alone. This is an NBC affiliate website folks. There are many people who use their interracial relationships, both past and present, to prove that they can't be racist. There are parents of biracial children who are blind to racism because they believe that bearing half-black children means that they are cured. They've cured racism. News flash, sex with a black man doesn't earn you a get out of racism free card. If so, much of some black men's love for white women is built firmly on their subconscious hatred or disregard for black women. How could the toxic mentality not perpetuate in their relationship and therefore in their homes? How often do we see white women showing support for black penis but not black lives? Take for instance Rachel Bush, the white Instagram model, Trump supporter, and fiancé of Buffalo Bills player Jordan Poyer. Bush stated that her fiancé would not be taking a knee because Colin Kaepernick protests has created more division and she believes the protests are wrong. Rachel Bush has an interracial child, but to the rest of the world, including Donald Trump and police officers, she is a black child. Until very recently, biracial and mixed children were considered black. And even today, the proximity to whiteness won't protect their blackness from police brutality, from being passed over for jobs, from being denied by loan officers, or from being discriminated against by teachers, especially if the ones who call their friend a nigger when they were in the eighth grade in middle school, I was called nigger. Budweiser frog style, by two so-called friends. One became a teacher in a poor black school in order to wipe out her student college debt, and the other spent at least a good half of their sexual history, high school including, consuming dark meat. This is, once again, NBC. Even though this happened when we were young, I highly doubt that their racism just vanished in thin air and was just a phase they simply grew out of. Biracial or mixed children, proximity to whiteness, just that. Proximity, mm mm-mm-mm, going on and on. Kim Kardashian, mm mm-mm-mm, going on and on. La-la-la, to the end. White parents, you're going to have to love for your children that no one else has or can replicate. So it's obvious that you will love their little bodies despite the fact that they're black. But just because you fuck black people doesn't mean you fuck with black people. P.S. Comb that baby's hair. Every time I read a Root article, I'm shocked that that's authorized to be out there. Because if you inverse black and white, that's racist. If you wrote articles that white women are pieces of shit because they don't date their own race, you're a racist. But she just wrote an entire article that black men are pieces of shit because they fuck white meat. Who even talks like that? Who talks about dark meat and white meat? Seriously. What the fuck fuck? It's hard for me as a normal American who's been all over the world, served with every color, race, ethnicity, fucking gender, religion... Not to walk away and go, black people are more racist than white people. It's just hard for me not to think that. Because I didn't see, I saw one incident in 20 years. In basic training, a white guy being a racist. He was from Alabama. He got booted out of the army. I saw black people say all sorts of racist fucking shit. Not even a counseling statement. Because the army policy is black people can't be racist. They don't have power. That's how it's written. It's the ethnic group with power. Then blacks will always be a minority. Yeah. Hmm. Ex-black Bond woman! Miss Bond doesn't have the same ring to it. Goes on a whole rant about how stupid it is to have a black fucking... 007 just to be PC and that it shouldn't be a woman do the math on that from Zach in Tennessee APF News Mickey Mouse, Marilyn Monroe and the Mona Lisa are being transformed to make them more representative of people of color I make the Latin world, like me, feel like part of it, explains American-Mexican artist Linda Vallejo, who has turned in nice little figurines of Mickey Mouse to blackface. No outrage. Anywhere. New Charlie's Angel film theme, Believe Women and Female Rage. Not going to read the article, but there you go. Teen Dressed as None receives oral sex on Halloween, In euphoria, every podcast, I have something for it. To faux-faux outrage, this one cracked me the fuck up. I'm just going to paraphrase. I'm not going to read this stuff. I'll read the tweets after I'm done. So Macy's has a plate, and on the plate is mom jeans, regular jeans, skinny jeans, and it's a circle, and it's a joke to how much food you put on your plate. I've seen stuff like this before. Thanksgiving, breakfast, lunch, little circles. You know, just, it's a joke. Jenna Amuli. Macy's has removed plates advocating portion control from their stores after being. many people spoke out on Twitter that they were casually promoting eating disorders and body shaming. The brand apologized and said, They missed the mark. Allie Ward. How can I get these plates from Macy banned in all 50 states? Lily Mondaro, nothing like promoting fat shaming and food guilt. Who makes these plates? Tara Leone, these are ridiculous. Ban them. That's enough people with body issues as it is. Stephen Carter, yo Macy's, this is beyond effed up and pretty much guarantees I'll never spend another dollar at your stores. Jamila Jamal a body positive activist and the Good Place star join in the conversation fuck these plates fuck these plates to hell Macy's don't we have more important things to worry about I'm just asking it goes on forever I'm not going to read them all you know I'm a fat fuck you can't body shame me I already know I'm fat American crocodiles thriving outside a nuclear plant. They've had 73 crocodiles hatched outside a nuclear power plant. The warm water. It still makes me think about the meth gators. Half-human, half-dog creature seen lurking near Texas River leaves fishermen terrified. I looked at the picture. It looked like Sasquatch to me. I didn't see a half-man, half-dog, but it's a real picture. Go figure. Woman arrested in cat shirt and trying to poison, poison neighbor's dog. She put antifreeze. She's a bitch. Hope she goes to jail for a long time. Mom, 20, and boyfriend, 21, strangle their newborn son to death in hospital just hours after his birth as they confess they didn't want the child. Both of them are illegals. Somehow... The media didn't see that story. You go to hell and you fucking die. I have a worse one and this is America. Posting a negative review online to get you sued. Terrible story showing people that actually fucking got sued because they put out a negative review. That's just fucking crazy. But it doesn't surprise me companies nowadays is everything social media going them once they go okay we got gotcha. you. we're gonna sue your fucking ass which is the end of our news and social media nuggets we're gonna go into a uh music break and come back into the craziness that is our country because we're still going on about trump rallies and nazi germany and send her back and yeah it's pretty fucking bad this is the sweeplings i think it's the name of the band sweeplings right yeah, Sweep Carry Me Home is a song. Heard it on a TV show. Pretty fucking good. Enjoy. See you on the other side.
5: Carry Me Home when the light in my eyes does fade. Carry me home when the shadow comes to take me away Lay down my bones, That I'll be in a better place Release my soul, carry me home Carry me home, there's a sorrow down in the ground Carry me home Don't you weep around right Freedom I'll lay down my bones There is peace Within the light I found Release my soul So
0: bubble one podcast at a
6: time here's tony reed
4: And they're not afraid to speak their mind, yep. nor should they be. And I think that's another part of this that gets lost. And they're women. And they're mm-hmm. women, And they're women. Too, yes. Brown Thank women. You, brown women.
7: And so the other sort of thing that Donald Trump has done this week is he's used the same kind of attacks on Ilhan Omar that was used against you. Sure. Essentially trying to tie her to terrorism, this American
8: congresswoman. This is the ultimate smear for white supremacists and bigots. And as we've talked about on the show from the Daily Stormer, the white supremacists there came after me in 2017 when I wrote an article about Trump. And saying he was coddling white supremacists. This is before Charlottesville. Yeah. And they had death threats against me, they smeared me saying I was involved in terrorism. Yep. Donald Trump's doing the same thing. That's the go to for white supremacy. That's the go to for neo Nazis to smear Muslims as somehow that we're all involved in terrorism. Yeah. And look, we've seen a reduction in crime the last few years. We've seen an uptick in hate crimes the last yes. few years. Yeah. And this is tied to Donald Trump, this is a man who doesn't want just violence against Ilhan Omar. His base, they came after me. They'll come after, there's been a spike LGBT, anti-black hate crimes, Mm -hmm. anti-Semitic hate crimes. Anyone that's not white, male, and Christian is under the gun and spotlight under Trump. And sadly, that's what he wants. And last thing, there have been mosques faced with the word Trump. Today, Trump is becoming a modern day swastika. And people have to be aware, it's no longer a name, it's shorthand for a symbol of hate. Someone says, I like Trump, they're telling you, I'm in for white supremacy, I'm in for bigotry, I'm in for sexism. That's what Trump means now, and I think we have to be aware of it and call out bluntly.
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, bearing to, to that very point about the <laughs> actual increase in, in hate crimes tied to Donald Trump, Southern Poverty Law Center uh, had an article out in February, white supremacy flourishes and fears of immigration and national shifting, dem- I mean, fears of uh, shifting demographics. The total number of hate groups rose to 1,020 in 2018, up about 7% from 2017. White nationalist groups alone surged by nearly 50% last Last year going from 100 chapters to 148 in 2018 uh, in one year. You sent us a piece um, talking about the rise of anti-Muslim and anti-Arab hate crimes um, uh, in December 2015, the day of the attack on at San Bernardino in December 2015 when Trump called for a Muslim ban that was the highest number since October of 2001. So he's directly starting to impact the actual activity
6: uh, of violence in this country. Some of the rhetoric you've probably heard if you've turned on Fox News lately, rhetoric about socialism. I want to ask the editor of the country's biggest socialist magazine, what's true and false? President Trump and his pro-Trump media allies want you to believe that all Democrats are socialists. And they want you to believe that socialism is destroying or even the possibility is destroying America. Uh, We took a look at, at how Fox News hosts have been talking about this subject. Here's just a few examples from this week.
9: Socialism is absolutely toxic.
10: All the Democrat candidates are for socialism or a variety of socialism. There are no more moderates in today's extreme Democratic Party as socialism is completely and radicalism completely taken over.
6: Socialism is toxic. Toxic. Okay, we get it. Well, let's widen out the lens. Because in the United States, there is a socialist magazine. It's called Jacobin. Uh, It's been out for years. It's been growing in popularity. Uh, The way that hosts on Fox talk about socialism is fascinating to me. Here's an example uh, from economics writer Ben Stein.
11: All these ways of socialist uh, socialist thinking are ways to control the American people and to take away their freedom to choose, their freedom to do what they want to do with their lives. Socialism is about maintaining government control over people.
6: So control, control. How do you define socialism? How do you react to sound bites like that? Well, I think socialism is actually about freedom. So you're trying to change a conversation, it sounds like. You're trying to reshape how socialism is defined in the United States. Because when you watch Fox, all you hear we must not confuse dissent with disloyalty. But President Trump is trying to confuse everybody. This weekend he's tripling down on those attacks against the people he calls the four congresswomen. He says he doesn't think they're capable of loving our country. He's calling them names, questioning their patriotism, reminding everyone of his racist attack from last weekend. If this is what Trump wants the next 16 months to be about, is the press up to the challenge? That's going to be our big story today. As we cover the president, we have to cover his crowds As well, In fact, I think oftentimes the crowds are the more interesting story. Why they respond to his provocations. Why they chant, send her back. We need to show that it's all part of a pattern. This pattern can be traced back to 1989, when Trump, one of the Central Park Five, executed. The five black and Hispanic teenagers were later exonerated. Now, fast forward two decades. Trump promoted the lie that President Obama was not born in the United States a lie that many right-wing voters still say they believe. As recently as November 2017, advisors told the New York Times that Trump still questions the authenticity of Obama's birth certificate. Look, those portions of the president's track record on race are very well known. Uh, His line about Mexican rapists from his campaign launch event, his call for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the U.S., his smear of a, quote, Mexican federal judge who was born in Indiana, his... S-hole country's insult. And of course the shameful event now just known shorthand as Charlottesville, which is the tarnishing, the name of a great city. In the wake of his go-back attack, I did see some networks and news outlets bringing back some of this, trying to connect the dots. The New York Times headline this morning, Trump employs an old tactic, using race for gain. We are seeing some people telling that big story. But what about his false claim about large-scale killing of white farmers in South Africa? That's not true, but it lined up with white supremacist talking points. What about his first pardon as president? Trump chose Joe Arpaio, the sheriff whose anti-immigrant tactics were so aggressive that he was frequently accused of racism before being voted out of office. What about Trump's own language describing immigrants? What about that time he reportedly grumbled that the migrants from Haiti all have AIDS? What about those times he said athletes who took a knee maybe shouldn't be in this country? Have you forgotten about that? Yes, he said that.
12: You have to stand proudly for the national
6: anthem. Well, you shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be there. Maybe you shouldn't be in the country. What about retweeting racists and bigots? What about exaggerating urban crime? What about implying Puerto Rico is not part of the United States? What about referring to Omarosa as that dog? I could keep going and going with these examples, but the point is clear. There's a pattern going back decades. And with so many examples, it's kind of easy to forget some of them. The pattern is the big story. And the challenge for the press is to show the pattern. Look, Trump rebuts charges of racism by pointing to low unemployment rates and his support for criminal justice reform. That's an important part of the story. But journalists have to keep tracking the pattern that goes back decades. We have to keep observing, for example, the lack of diversity at the top of the Trump administration. And this is evident in nominations to the judicial branch as well. Here's a headline from two weeks ago in the Washington Post. Democrats questioning the absence of black or Hispanic nominees among Trump's judges. Well, it's not just Democrats that should be questioning that. All of this, from the Central Park Five back then to the judges today, are all part of the same big story. But when we get so focused on the the story of the day or the story of the, the week, I fear that we lose sight of the really big story that's going on. Telling Congresswomen to go back to where they came from is racist, but it's part of something much bigger that's going on. So let's talk about all
13: of that. Send her home, send her home where I sit there luxuriating and bathing in this looks bad. Certainly not trying to stop it. Yeah, not trying to stop it at all. And why did he pick these? Why isn't he going after Biden and Bernie as much as he's going after brown women? Uh, And, you know, when I again, people get upset when I put it that way. But you tell me why he picked these four people and why he keeps talking about them. He talks about these four more than he does anybody who's running against him. What do the Democrats do about that?
0: Well, I think that they need to embrace it, right? I think go on the offensive and talk about our vision because the reality is is that, you know, the progressive ideals that these four congresswomen represent. And let me take a step back because I think that uh, Fox News and donald trump have been targeting these women they've at least been targeting aoc and the reason why is because uh, these are four women of color and they're trying to point to these white voters and say you have nothing in common with black and And brown people
13: carlson doing it so much because he is the picture of the waspy white that's absolutely true. so he is the right one to harness the outrage and say they want to take me out and replace me with these people and absolutely and they
0: wanted to to your point of distraction i think they're weaponizing racism Mm -hmm. i think it's true that he is a racist but they're also weaponizing it for a political purpose, and that's to distract, uh, you know, b- or to make white voters and black and brown voters think that they don't have the same uh, problems that they're facing. When the reality is, is that there's one party, the Democratic Party, that is going to hold this president accountable, that's going to hold Wall Street accountable, that's going to, you know, actually do something about, about Except bad. Except
13: Paul, the Democrats are holding each other accountable more than they're doing it, so they, anything they are, else. And it's not just the primary process. I, I know.
14: It's, it, it's our hard to say me.
13: leave these people alone when you've been going at it with them it, as well within is, the party.
14: But it, the point that Alexandra made is the most important one. It, I believe it deeply. It's my life experience growing up in the South. It's their strategy is to divide white working people against people of color so they can rule from above. This is the demagogue strategy a, a, around the world, but certainly in America and the American South. We should be, Democrats, should be calling that out and objectifying it as the strategy because then what you're doing, you're not demonizing everybody, 62 million of us who voted for Donald Trump. I don't mean me, but 62 of our fellow Americans, 62 million. We're instead contextualizing, explaining to them, a lot of people voted for Barack Obama than Donald Trump. right? I think rather than condemn, what we ought to do is contextualize the way Alexander just did. We have We should be telling them, you have a lot more in common. With those kids marching in Ferguson, then you realize you're both getting screwed over by a system that's unjust and rigged against you. That's what I want to hear Democrats saying. I don't think they will in the debate. I think they'll probably go after each other for tactical reasons, but, but the strategy
13: is without... But but there's watching. a problem because the Democrats always get hijacked by the Republican base. The Republican base, that will never vote for them. And I will say that the Democrats... A always, lot of them used to be Democrat-based. But they always chase they always chase this mythical moder- moderate unicorn voter who drinks real coffee in a real state and is an ordinary American while ignoring the base that actually comes out to vote. 2012, Obama. He gets only 39% of white voters. Important, doesn't get the majority, but he brings out the base. Black women, Latinos, Asian Americans, new voters, young people, women. And look at Donald Trump. He's attacked women, Muslims, black people, immigrants. Immigrant. But then so don't hide you. Don't, atta- but yeah. I said, last word for you, and then we'll go to break, and I need you guys to stay because I want to talk about these matchups and what we expect and don't expect in the debate. But I don't see them using this, the Democrats, to bring out that base and say, "This is your alternative, mm-hmm. And all of you are potential victims of this vitriol that continues. When
15: does that happen? I think it happens as we move closer towards mm-hmm. a general election matchup. Right now, they have an incentive to talk about each other in this large field to kind of separate uh, themselves from one another. But the, what is looming, right? Like, what, what, what yesterday reminded me of was no matter what Democrats are saying to differentiate each, uh, each other from themselves... They need to, they they for them to be successful need to unite against a Republican Party that is united around Donald Trump's ideology. The the question of who Republicans are was settled in 2016 and reaffirmed in 2018. For Democrats to be successful, they need to have they have to have this kind of internal identity fight. But they would have to come together and have that type of motivation because Republicans are motivated. Mm-hmm. This is a great group. Please stay.
7: Why big? with you Tara here at the table I mean you've been very open even during the campaign of saying Donald Trump's a racist right okay full stop we know that from his history but where he's going now is separate from racism it's it's white nationalism right and that is defined as wanting to have a country that is for white people right and that kind of rhetoric that's not something I think
16: even the Republican Party was prepared for but did it surprise you that he's now openly going in that direction It doesn't surprise me at all because he's been escalating. He's been testing the waters all along. He saw that he got away with saying Mexicans were rapists. He saw that he got away with attacking Congresswoman Maxine Waters, saying she was low IQ. Uh, His consistent attacks against women of color, women generally, but in particular women of color. We saw that with April Ryan. Remember that whole episode? We saw that with Abby Phillips. We saw that with a number of uh, black female journalists and so I think that he's tested the waters he's seen that his base has not only responded well but responded extremely well and are parroting back those things that he's saying so because he's escalated his behavior it was no surprise to me that he would continue to do it until he stopped that's that's what to me that is what this is indicative of that until someone stops Donald Trump until he's held accountable he see he's seeing that he's not going to be held accountable by his own party Party. Yeah. He's saying that the base is going to reward it and is rewarding it. And he's seeing that the Democratic Party hasn't really done much to hold him accountable. So why would he stop?
7: Yeah. And mean, not care that his words are potentially putting these women's lives in danger. Congresswoman Omar was walking down the street the other day and I was legitimately worried and concerned about her safety because it didn't appear that she had any security around her. And, you know, I just want to echo something that Tara said, like the reason why Donald Trump is doing this is because he can because he's getting away with it because nobody is checking him because his party they have decided that they're okay with white nationalism they're okay with racism because it'll allow them to what get their tax cuts passed it'll allow them to stack the courts with right-wing judges they don't care about the safety of their fellow members of congress they don't care about the decorum of the presidency of the united states they just care about protecting the wealthy few and uh, i don't know if you can hear it in my voice but it really is upsetting and, and irritating. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to read a little bit of a, a, a St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and then I have a, a, two questions for you, um, Tara. So the St. Louis Post-Dispatch editorial board called out Republicans who haven't condemned Trump, and given the bright red line that Trump has so enthusiastically crossed this week, the question of whether to continue supporting him either assertively or through inappropriate silence is no longer merely an indicator of party loyalty or party priorities. It's become a test of courage, character, and fundamental decency. All of these elected uh, officials have failed it. Two questions. On, on Republicans, they could have gotten tax cuts for the red You know, walked up the rivers uh, with pollution and let the the polluters pollute all those policies that they want. The judges, same judges would have been Jeb Bush's judges, Marco Rubio's judges. They could have gotten the same policies. So what does it say about the party that they'd rather have this guy who's specifically using an ethno-nationalist set of tropes in order to remain in power?
16: It says what I, sa- I said this yesterday, I was asked by one of your colleagues on hardball. I was asked if uh, if Donald Trump would uh, was going to stand behind what he, his disavowal right, and I said he was not going to stand behind his disavowal. I said he was going to backtrack and, and I was right, I said, just like he did in Charlottesville, like you said at the top of the show that 's what he was going to do. Donald Trump saw, and I'll say this again, and I'm going to keep saying it. He saw the writing on the wall with the Republican Party. He saw that reaction that the Republican Party had to President Obama's presidency. People literally lost their minds over this black man becoming president. So did he. And and he Mm -hmm. did, too. But I want to point something out. When President Obama was first elected, Donald Trump praised him. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning. But when he saw how the party responded to President Obama, people calling him all kinds of racist names who were party officials across this country. Yeah. Not just any old people. These were party officials who were calling Michelle Obama a monkey, an ape and heels, all of that stuff. He saw that and he knew that, that the Republican Party, they wanted to do their racism through dog whistles. They wanted to do it through a whisper, through uh, where they could have plausible deniability if someone called them out. Trump saw that the base wanted it out front. Yeah. He saw that. And so he rode that wave through birtherism and has continued to ride that wave. But he did not incite the party or bring the party along. The party was already there. They were already there. Very quickly before I go back to Danielle, does he care if one of these women gets hurt? Do you think? You know him. I I don't think he cares because the only thing Donald Trump cares about is himself. himself. He talked about having people riot if he wasn't, if if he didn't win the election. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was the guy who. Because
17: he wasn't. You saw him stand by and let it happen, doing nothing to stop it. Did anybody really believe that he would take back the racist tweet that started it all? He won't. Listen to what he said today.
7: President Trump,
12: you said you were
18: unhappy with the chant. Uh, however, the chant was just
12: repeated. No, you know what I'm unhappy with? You know what I'm unhappy what you, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm unhappy with? I'm unhappy with the fact that a congresswoman can hate our country. That's what I'm unhappy with. Those people in North Carolina, that stadium was packed. It was a record crowd. And I could have filled it ten times, as you know. Those are incredible people. Those are incredible patriots. So the president insisting that his supporters
17: in the crowd chanting send her back, that they were true patriots, because they agree with him. And falsely repeating his slur that any of those four congresswomen of color hate our country because they disagree with him. That's why he tweeted in the first place. Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came, completely ignoring the fact that all of those congresswomen are American citizens? That tweet is why the chance happened, why he let them go on for a full 13 seconds.
12: Omar has a history of launching vicious... Anti-Semitic screeds.
17: It is why, just twelve minutes later, he was back on his "Love It or Leave It" refrain, telling the crowd, "This.
12: Hey, if they don't like it, let them leave. Let them leave." Yeah. Yeah. They're always telling us how to run it, how to do this, how to do that. You know what? If they don't love it, tell them to leave it.
17: So as I'm sure you are aware, we all knew Cinder Back is turning into the new locker Up. Equally hateful, probably even more hateful than that. It is dangerous and disgusting. Hmm. Well, today, the President of the United States, showing his true colors, after yesterday's failed attempt to convince you that he didn't like that send her back chant.
19: Mr. President, if I may, when your supporters last night were chanting send her back, why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you ask them to stop saying that?
12: Well, number one, I think I did. I started speaking very quickly. It it really was a loud... I disagree with it, by the way. But it was quite a chant, and uh, I felt a little bit badly about it. But I will say this: uh, I did, and I started speaking very quickly. But it started up rather, rather fast, as you probably know.
19: So, so you'll tell your supporters never to no, say, I, that I say that again. Would
12: say that that is. I was not happy with it. Um, I disagreed with it. Uh, but again, I didn't say. I didn't say that. They did. And I
19: just... but, but they were echoing what you said in your first tweet, that they should go back. Well, I don't think if you examine
12: it, I don't think you'll find that. But I disagree with it. Hmm.
17: He says he disagrees with the chant. He says he was not happy with it. Well, that was yesterday. Of course, less than an hour later, he said this.
19: What was your message to to your supporters who were making that
12: chant? Well, these are people that love our country. I want them to keep loving our country.
17: And that brings us to today. The president no longer seems to have any problem with that chant and refuses to acknowledge the racism of his own go back to where you came from tweet.
12: You know what's racist to me? When somebody goes out and says the horrible things about our country, the people of our country.
17: Hmm. Some fact-checking to do on that a little bit later on. Showing us what he really cares about. What he cares about is the news coverage of his pretend disavow of those racist chants. Tweeting that the news media became crazed. Otherwise known as reporting the facts, maybe. Then immediately pivoting to claims about the size of the crowd. We know how he loves to talk about the size of the crowd, right? The president doubling and tripling down on his slurs against the congresswomen. And seeming to lose track of how many there are, going from four to three, because he doesn't like their politics.
2: That is our media once again. It should be like a hate tweet. Trump rallies are Nazi Germany. Trump supporters are Nazi. Fox doesn't cover socialism fairly? What would we? Socialism is bad. Seltzer lays out the case that Trump's racist for like the 95th time. Cuomo, Tucker is waspy wasp. Lemon, Trump threatening the safety. But they didn't report this. Key witness, a Mueller investigation died in on sex trafficking, child porn. Nadler, 60. Key witness. No, we didn't do that. The Mueller report's coming in. I just want to read a couple of the tweets that literally show that they can't give it up. Scott Dworkin redid the media elite uh, Hollywoodites talking about why it's important for you simpleton middle of the country Americans to pay attention to this because there's proof. This week Mueller will testify and say Trump committed numerous crimes. Trump team conspired with Russia. Trump obstructed justice. Trump should be indicted. Mueller is coming. Yeah, they don't want to let that Mueller
1: stuff go. So
2: that that just doesn't surprise me. Stephen King. Fox News shows the president rallies, but won't show Robert Mueller's testimony. What happened to fair and balance? Thirty-two thousand likes for fabrication. There's actually a press release that they're going to cover it. Fox News will do it on July 24th. That's today. There you go. Brett Baier even smacked him. Sorry, you missed the promo. But my favorite one, and I'm going to buy this. I don't like buying political stuff, but this is just too good to not do. Trump campaign is now selling plastic straws to own the libs. Liberal paper straws don't work. As California and other places around the country implement bans on plastic drinking straws, the Trump 2020 campaign is taking a different approach. The campaign is now selling Trump straws and packs a 10 for $15. The plastic straws are red and say Trump. The campaign merchandise website states that liberal paper straws don't work and describes the straws as BPA-free, reusable and recyclable, 9 inches long, pack of 10, identical straws are shown, laser engraved, made in the USA. <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. They even tweeted it, liberal straws don't work. Stand with President Trump and buy your pack of recyclable straws today. The Washington Post, quick to be on the ball as a major leading fucking news agency. I don't understand liberals. Um, they, they just don't pay attention in their zeal. It's another turtle article, turtle article. Analysis. Someday a turtle may end up with a Trump-branded straw on its nose. Here's why. So if you buy the Trump straws, vis-a-vis you're killing turtles. Understand that. You are going to kill turtles if you buy a Trump straw, you fucking fascist piece of Nazi shit. Yeah, I, I, I just think that's whoever came up with that in the Trump campaign. Good on you. That's some fucking funny shit. Then Trump gets a win in court against Democratic investigation. Trump scored a win, temporary one at least, on Friday against investigation from House Democrats after a federal judge halted Democrat subpoena of the Trump organization's financial records. Good for them. It won't last long. They'll find a liberal judge and it'll go away. Carpe donctum. I'm trying to get the miscellaneous shit up front before we get to the good stuff. As predicted a week ago, pro-Antifa journalists have released my name and are now spreading it around to Antifa. Luke O'Brien from Huffington Post dropped my name twice in tweets. And the Daily Beast's Wilson Summer and SPLC's Michael E. Hayden applaud this action. While it is disheartening that journalism has been reduced to this, I feel this was an inevitable result. I prepared this video statement as my response to a despicable act that will surely cause my family undue worry and potential harm. As always, if you enjoy my work, consider supporting my work either through PayPal, PayPal, or PayPal, or Carpe Ductum. The Antifa Victory Lap shows journalists and people saying who they are. My favorite tweet reply to this was, "And they call Republicans the fascist." That is some dangerous shit. But the problem with the media is, he's a Nazi because he makes memes of CNN getting body slammed by Trump. So if he dies, it's a morally justified death. Yeah, they'll see it as nothing. Washington Post tumulti, tumulti, I don't know how to say tumulti, tumulti. T-U-M-U-L-T-Y. I know how to say the word, but I can't say it right fucking out of this name. I don't. Please for Barack Obama to save the nation from Trump. This lady is a piece of work. She is the one that carried the Barack Obama action figure in her purse. A longtime correspondent for Time Magazine until last year, a national political correspondent for Washington Post, pleaded in a Tuesday column this past week for Obama to save the nation. Speak up, President Obama. Mr. President, it's time you speak. Your country needs you. President Obama, what we need more than anything else right now is someone who can lift the country's sights again, someone who can change charge us as you once did, with a mission to march into the future. Let us keep the promise that America promised, and the words of Scripture hold firmly without wavering to hope that we confess. Find your voice again. Reclaim your legacy. Do it now. It won't wait until your memoirs. Jesus Christ. It's idolatry. New York Times... Next on our list, fudge book sales data to put number one conservative book on Kavanaugh, and number six. We cover this every time it happens. They even put stuff like, the conservative commentator a radio host makes his case the press is aligned with political ideology. Hemingway, Savino, the conservative authors give their take on the confirmation of the Supreme Court. But for Joy Reid, the MSNBC host gives her analysis of Donald Trump's presidency. That's the subtle bias I talk about. They put conservative. They don't put moonbat Antifa member for Joy Reid. Hmm. Dr. Drew's our next story warns on imminent bubonic plague outbreak starting in Los Angeles because there's so many fucking rats. What makes it worse? They are now going, California as a state, to ban certain types of baits and sprays that pest control use because they're bad for the environment. You know what else is bad for the environment? Dead people from bubonic plague. You fucking waho. 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 Before we get into Talib, who's our sole subject in Omar today, here's some other things you didn't hear. Guatemalan illegal immigrant 31, who's been deported twice, shot and killed a mother 29 and her two young children, after sneaking back in the U.S. How about this one? Undocumented immigrant assaults CBP officer on far international bridge attempting to enter the U.S. Didn't hear that. Slaughter the Jews painted on Arabic on, in Arabic, excuse me, on Western Wall in Jerusalem. No, no, you didn't. And you didn't hear this sound bite. I have so many I could play this week. On Talib, because some stuff surfaced of her losing her mind at a Trump rally, and a speech where she said the boycott, divest, and sanction effort against Israel is just like Americans calling out Nazis during World War Two. No fucking shit, she said it.
20: The right to boycott is deeply rooted in the fabric of our country. What was the Boston Tea Party but a boycott? Where would we be now without the boycott led by civil rights activists in the 1950s and 60s, like the Montgomery Bus Boycott and the United Farm Workers Grape Boycott? Some of this country's most important advances in racial equality and equity and workers' rights has been achieved through collective action protected by our Constitution. Americans of conscience have long and proud history of participating in boycotts, specifically to advocate for human rights abroad. Americans boycotted Nazi Germany in response to dehumanization, imprisonment, and genocide of Jewish people. In the 1980s, many of us, in this very body, boycotted South African goods in the fight against apartheid. Our our right to free speech is being threatened with this resolution. It sets a dangerous precedent because it attempts to delegitimize a certain people's political speech and to send a message that our government can and will take action against speech it doesn't like.
2: Now, understand, that was prior to her getting elected. That's her screaming and carrying on. And that speech was not even played on the main media of her saying that it's like calling out Nazis. To make matters worse, earlier this year, while giving a speech at Mary Grove College in Detroit, Tlaib claimed she is more Palestinian in the halls of Congress than I am anywhere in the country in the world. What does that say about her? What does it say? Media still can't see it. Chris Eliza all this stuff, we're still going on about it. Donald Trump calls a lot of people stupid, especially people of color. People called him out and said, well, he calls you stupid. Are you a person of color, Chris? With everything piling up, this is still Going on in our airwaves, defense of the squad.
11: Now, for the view from President Trump's team, I sat down here in Studio One with Hogan Gidley, the Deputy White House Press Secretary. Hogan Gidley, welcome. Thanks so much. The President has drawn, as you know, thunderous condemnation from the media for his go back where you came from and fix it and return tweets. Why is that unfair?
9: Well, it's unfair because when the media came into my office concerned about it, the president went out to the South Lawn and clarified exactly what he was talking about. And he chronicled some of the comments made by the squad. Uh, They're anti-Semitic. They're anti-American in many cases. And he said, look, it's okay if you don't like this country. It's okay for you to voice that opinion. But if you don't like it so much and you really hate it the way you say you do, then you can go home. He's done that not just with these four congresswomen, but he's done it with
11: Hollywood elites as well. Well, we're talking here about four duly elected members of Congress, but let me ask you about the president. President's tweet about the press. Amazing how the fake news media became crazed—that's his word—over the chance send her back at the North Carolina rally. Uh, told, but is totally common accepting of the most vile and disgusting statements made by three radical left congresswomen. First. Why shouldn't that chance send her back be a big story? Some conservative commentators denounced it as racist, and
9: the president said he wasn't happy with it. Why shouldn't it be a big story? Well, it's not. No, no one's arguing it shouldn't be a big story. But the bigger issue here is the president is forced to denounce what someone says in an audience of thousands, but these four congresswomen don't have to denounce what someone did in an actual terrorist attack in Washington state. In fact, the only person who, it wasn't throngs of reporters following through following them through the halls of Congress. It was one person with a recording device. They never hold anyone else's feet to the fire and make them denounce actual acts of terrorism. It's, but, ab, it's ridiculous. But
11: on that point, the press isn't calm and accepting, to use the President's words, of Ilhan Omar's anti-Semitic comments. That was a big controversy. It isn't calm and accepting when AOC calls border facilities concentration camps.
9: Some of the that rhetoric has gotten plenty of coverage. It's gotten coverage, but it's the way it's covered. So if Donald Trump makes a comment, automatically it is characterized by the mainstream media in the way they want to characterize it. Oftentimes that's racist. It's never alleged racism or uh, controversial remarks, but when Ilhan Omar makes her comments or AOC calls this country garbage, it's always controversial remarks, or some say it's uh, uh, anti-Semitic. And remember, in, in TV news, uh, attribution is our salvation. They always attribute uh, the, the, the concern about what someone else says to the actual uh, uh, source. In this instance, with the president, they just automatically characterize it the, the way they want to. And I'll give you one anecdote. I did talk to someone at one of the news networks, and I said, you guys can't keep saying these comments are racist. That's just not news. That's opinion. His response to me was, everyone else is doing it too. Now, lemmings follow each other off a cliff
11: to their death and demise. It's not exactly the full context of what AOC said, but here, this whole love it or leave it argument. Um, look, sometimes these members of Congress have gone too far, but Donald Trump has criticized America when he was a businessman. He called America a laughingstock. In his inauguration, he said, American carnage. So, when they criticize him and the White
9: House and administration, why is
11: that hating America? Why isn't it just dissent?
9: Listen, Donald Trump loves his country and always has, but like many millions of Americans, we didn't like the way Barack Obama uh, treated this country we didn't like the direction he took this country and we have in the right to say so absolutely but at its core this president still loved America the difference here is they are saying not only is America evil in many instances but it's the cause of so much of the world's problems that's way different and I have to say the ungrateful attitude of these of these uh, congresswomen to a country that affords them opportunities where they couldn't get them anywhere else. Uh, in the uh, in, in the world think about it she was a bartender and now is a congressman omar is a refugee now a congresswoman it's incredible that it couldn't happen anywhere else this is the best place in the history of, the, of the, the world they give up
11: their right to criticize let me move on I'm they can
9: do it we're, we're, but there's a fundamental difference in how we view this world we okay. view it as a great place they don't
11: President talks a lot about the incredibly strong economy, which should get more coverage. Doesn't he blot out that coverage when he fights these culture war battles?
9: Oh, look! and If we're going to talk about blotted out coverage, it yeah. doesn't have anything to do with Donald Trump. It has to do with the way the media covers him. Have anything they, to do with they, Donald Trump? This look, whole week of coverage was was triggered right, by him. Look, but we did a lot of things this week they didn't cover. I mean, looks they will cover. Uh, palace intrigue over policy nine times out of ten. We all know that the cover... Right, because they'd rather have that leading their newscast than actual policy. He had an amazing event with the Special Olympics this week. He funded it. They all came into the Oval Office. It was so sweet to see him interact with those athletes and tell them what a great job they'd done. Did you see any of that? Absolutely not. Instead, they focused on these ridiculous uh, uh, arguments between uh, some congresswomen who just don't like America versus this president. My
11: point, Hogan, is that the president that started this argument in fact, he wanted this fight. He knew there would be a media
9: explosion. And uh, at the same time, he also told a reporter it was playing out well for him politically. He punches back. We all know that. He is a counterpuncher. But listen, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, Ion Presley and AOC have all said these things for a long time unchecked. So they are attacking this country and its greatness Uh, It's not a hopeful place for them. It's not a shining city on a hill for them. They don't like the country, and that's fine. They can say that all they want to. What this president is doing is responding to that and the fact that the media refuses to cover it. Why did the president
11: wait 13 seconds to before beginning to speak again at the rally where some were chanting, send her back? Look, he To a ad- degree, look, send her back is, is reprehensible.
9: He, ad- he addressed this in the Oval Office. At the time, he heard it and then pushed right on through. You go back and look at the tape. He wasn't smiling. He wasn't nodding. He wasn't pointing at people. He said they're stoic, and then he moved on past it. Hogan Gidley, who talks as fast as I do. Thanks very much. Thank for you, for you so much. This. Sure.
11: For the record, AOC said she was opposed to policies that are 10% above garbage.
15: There's been no Republican president who has been as overt on race since Herbert Hoover, who led the lily white movement when he was president. That's what you're dealing with here. This is a president who knows this game and who is playing it. It is a dangerous game. And when you have a Massachusetts governor, a governor of Massachusetts, Call it shameful and despicable. When you have Republican Will Hurd of Texas, the only black Republican in the House, vote with Democrats. When you have a former top judge in Texas, a Latina, who says his ideology is racism, you cannot ignore this reality. What's even more shameful, not only to see Republicans being afraid, to see white conservative evangelicals say nothing. Franklin Graham, silent. Pastor Paula White, silent. Robert Jeffers defends it. When you see Ralph Reed, silent. Tony Perkins silent. These are the, if you read Frederick Douglass's speech. What does the slave mean? Uh, what does the Fourth of July mean to the slave? His most condemnation was for white Christians. Dr. King's letter from Birmingham Jail for white Christians, evangelicals who are white and conservative need to challenge his president and say, "What you're doing is wrong, shameful, and despicable, and you should stop." But he won't because he is leading policies and also and- appealing to white fear. Uh,
12: You all also have a piece in the New York Times basically laying out how this is following a pattern, a long-time pattern of President Trump.
7: Yeah, I think it's hard. I was actually thinking about this watching you in the green room where you had the president on four years ago when he was a candidate talking about why, uh, you know, he wasn't, he didn't mean it when he left open the possibility of a Muslim registry in this country. He did not clear up what he said then. He refused to clear up what he said this week, even though people asked him to. When he was uh, on The Apprentice, he wanted a competing team of uh, blacks versus whites. That was something he pitched to NBC. When he was in New York in the 1980s, which he is very much a product of, which is a very was a racial cauldron. Basically, um, he took out an ad uh, calling for the death penalty or saying bring back the death penalty for five uh, people of color who were accused of a horrific crime. At a certain point, it, it's sort of it's hard to pretend this is, these are all isolated incidents. They are all taking place in the course of his history.
17: Good evening and welcome to Politics Nation. The lead tonight: send him back to sunday school earlier this week donald trump went down to the bible belt for a campaign rally and he took his base to church the church of white identity politics and instead of preaching as jesus did jesus who loves all the little children of the world black and white President Trump continued to demonize four congresswomen of color, focusing his wrath on a war refugee resoundingly elected on a message this president cannot understand, making America great in the future.
3: You know you're a racist when? (laughs) You ask why we want people from Mm-hmm. Or you tell people to go back to their country. You know you're a racist when you retweet white supremacists defending you, like Katie Hopkins. Mm-hmm. You know you're a racist when a photo of Hillary next to a Jewish star and a you put you retweet a, a, a picture of Hillary next to a Jewish star and a pile of money. You know you're a racist when you complain casino owners who get tax breaks don't look like Indians. You got some you got some issues. And Stephen Miller, you are the the poster boy for all of this you put all of this together and as you know people will come up and tell you they feel what you're saying is racist because they don't want to be spoken to like that see they don't want to be spoken to like that so i just want to say you know this is not this is not a left right because i'm pretty sure even Black Republicans recognize racism when they hear it, okay? And they will call you out if they feel it. So don't make it about the left. Make it about what you, what you are saying and the things you have said. I'm sorry. I, that, it just really pissed me off. And stop apologizing for this.
5: Mm-hmm. You
3: know, this is what you said. This is what you set out. You started this whole conversation with Mexicans are rapists and mm-hmm. murderers. Right. Well, they also
21: say that Omar doesn't love America. He said that. I mean, this is uh, President Bonespurs. Does he love America? <laughs> you know, does, does, uh, does somebody who uh, praises murderers and, and autocrats and dictators around the world and goes against the CIA, does, does he love America? You know, and by the way, send Stephen Miller back to Transylvania. <laughs> 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 He's a scary dude, this one. <laughs> I think the problem that. that, that <laughs> I hope that, that, that interview was at night when he could come out. <laughs> I think the, the, the biggest issue that I have is that um, this president seems to be most concerned when people criticize the United States' policies. And says that they must not love America yeah. because they are criticizing the United States. And I think Thomas Jefferson made it very clear that dissent is the highest form of patriotism. That is what our very country was founded upon. And I think James Baldwin said it best. He said, I love America more than any other country in the world. And exactly for this reason, I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually. And that is what you see these women doing. They're trying trying to create a more perfect union, and so they're criticizing the policies. They're saying that we don't have that perfect union yet, and so we may want better health care. We may want uh justice for all. We may want uh, to try to eradicate racism, but Trump is saying because they're criticizing... Well, this listen, country, he's the good one, for him, he's the this one is who wanted good. to make America great we,
2: we, again, so that the was country. the major criticism. Yes, yes. So yes. America yeah. isn't yeah. great yeah. enough yet. How much have they gone into the frickin' mat or gone to the mat for these people politifact was aoc crying over a parking lot while protesting family separation false she was standing on a road to a migrant facility which was in her line of gaze and was just beyond the port of entry the viral image of Cortez at a 2018 demonstrations in Texas town on a U.S.-Mexico border included the caption, AOC weeps over empty parking lot. Photographs of the scene who took photos of AOC said she was not facing a parking lot rather than she was just beyond the port of entry looking at nothing. So the claim is false. But this week, she went full open border.
18: I think uh, migration to me is liberation it's the ability to move and be it's the freedom to be really is what we're talking about and i think that all people should be free to be here and in our communities Um, because i think that when you start viewing human beings as intrinsically valuable you feel blessed that they have come to you with their presence and that's really, I think, the shift that we need to make as a country, I think.
2: But I thought they didn't want open border, folks. I, I thought that's not what they're... Sh- didn't you say... Oh, maybe it's me. Then we have a story of Erwin Galasia, 18, allegedly born in Dallas. You'll be hearing a lot about today as she's been in detention for the past three weeks after he and his Mexican border brother we picked up at a checkpoint in South Texas. A Dallas-born citizen picked up for Border Patrol has been detained for 13 weeks. Galicia was traveling with his 17-year-old brother, Marlon Galicia, and a group of friends from Edinburgh, where they lived, to Ranger College in North Texas for a soccer scouting event when they came up on a CBP checkpoint. It's around 8 p.m., blah, blah, blah. At AOC, CBP is detaining an American citizen. How would you feel trapped in a border camp where guards wear face masks because the human order is so strong? When we allow the rights of some to be violated, the rights of all are not far behind. Thankfully, the Washington Post got some answers that AOC and others didn't really care about. In short, CBP and ICE are holding Galatia because his mom, who is in the U.S. illegally, applied for a U.S. tourist visa when he was a minor and said he was born in Mexico. The reason it appears to have taken CBP and ICE so long to determine his citizenship is because his mother, who was not a citizen, took on a U.S. tourist visa in his name while he was still a minor, falsely saying he was born in Mexico. His mother, San Juana, told the Post that CBP discovered the visa after fingerprinting her son. The conflicting documents only fueled the agency's suspicion that he was using fake U.S. documents. Which brings us to America Divided with American Ferrara. First and foremost, you could not be more biased in this show. And it covers this. Here's the problem. People get across the border, but because the border is so porous, there are ICE border checks all along the egress into America. Part of them are 100, 150 miles from the border. So these illegals get across the border and they cannot go any further. So they stop and they stay there. The example she showed literally fucking had four or five kids in America because it came during a time that Obama was doing the DACA. So they thought they'd be able to be pulled on board and use their kids as an anchor to get American citizenship. They didn't stop reproducing. They now have four kids. So Texas decided, fuck these motherfuckers. Unless you have something showing legal residence somewhere on the planet, not a consulate ID card, a visa, we're not handing out birth certificates. We're giving live birth records. That's it. Because this is a loophole that Democrats were allowing these people to do. They have no proof of who they are, so the state legally can't give them proof of birth for their child who are citizens under the loophole that is the 14th Amendment. They showed people with cancer and they can't do anything but panhandle to pay for the cancer and get their chemo. And we're supposed to feel sorry for them even though there's people all over the country who have cancer. They can't pay for it but fuck them, they're white, right? American Ferrara? It was the worst 40 minutes I've ever watched of a TV show. It was basically open border, these people are humans, they didn't do anything illegal, it's It's the playbook of the left. Just because they're people of color, if you'd say anything about them being illegal, you're a fucking racist. She talked to one descending voice, and she made him look like a Nazi. It was done on purpose, with a lot of hang time on her face, frowning at this white dude who's a piece of shit. And the most amazing thing about it, her conduct and the way she acted around these illegals was better than I've seen videos of her having fans walk up that happened to be pale-faced and asking for an autograph. She's a fucking racist. She kept on trying to go back to, well, I could be these people. No, you couldn't, because your parents legally migrated here, just like my forefathers did, and everybody else who's a fucking citizen. Unless you're American fucking Indian, you're not an American. Your lineage migrated here. You were born and you became a citizen. But your forefathers went through the proper steps to become citizens. They pretty much showed a group of people who have meandered in these areas because they got across the border once. They can't even fucking get anywhere in the country. Because they've done it illegally and they don't want to get caught. And worse than that, at no time in this show did American Ferrara blame Mexico who didn't give them proper citizen documents to begin with. So theoretically they've been living off the radar down there too. If this is the course you choose, I have zero sympathy. You can look between shit and syphilis in the dictionary. You'll find sympathy. But I have no sympathy for you because you're living illegal on purpose. You put yourself and that family in that position. And that position, American Ferrara, would be in Honduras, Costa Rica, Germany, England, Russia, China. Name a country... That doesn't have some kind of citizenship process. They're getting free out the fucking wazoo down there because of liberal politicians. Throw their ass in North Korea and see how much free they get. It won't be a lot. So let's move on to our next rock star, Omar, who was offended when asked, What is your position on female, gentle, mutilation
22: your second question is an appalling question because I I always feel like there are bills that we vote on um, bills we sponsor um, many statements we put out and then we're in uh, in a panel like this and the question is posed could you and Rashida do this and it's like how often should I make a schedule? Like, does this need to be on repeat every five minutes? Should I be like, so today I forgot to condemn Al-Qaeda. Uh, so here's the Al-Qaeda one. Today I forgot to condemn FGM, so here it goes.
5: Today I forgot to condemn FGM.
22: so here it goes. Today I forgot to condemn FGM, so a very frustrating question. It comes up, you can look at my record, I voted, Four bills, um, doing exactly what you're uh, asking me to do. I have put out statements upon statements. There's a bill in in Congress, there's a resolution that I am the co-author of that I voted out of the Foreign Affairs Committee. And so I am, I think, quite disgusted, really, to be honest, that as Muslim legislators, we are constantly being asked to waste our time uh, is speaking to um, issues that other people are not asked to speak to because the assumption exists is that we somehow support and are for, right? No, they, there is an assumption. So I want to make sure that the next time someone is in an audience. And it's looking at me and Rashida and Abdul and Sam, that they ask us the proper questions that they will probably
23: ask any member of Congress.
2: Then she went on her next thing. No one should fear receiving medical care because they are undocumented. We must ensure that all people in our country have access to reproductive health care. Y'all should end this charade and accept that the racist president wants every black or brown person deported and Muslims banned. His immigration polity policies say this much, even though they're the same as Obama's. Ryan Savandra. Ilhan Omar is lying again. Nowhere in Trump's immigration policy is there any indicator that he wants every black brown person deported and Muslims banned. Then the media got so crazy, Republican group apologizes for mocking congressmen as jihad squad. When, to be quite honest, they are the jihad squad. <laughs> I think it's funny. But there was some pushback, so let's push back with some dissenting voices on this craziness and go straight into hate tweets see, the point blacks, I'm making there women. is that
17: our country is built on that kind of dialogue where people from so, one party uh, Jim, criticize the you, policies believe, of another. But do why believe, does that make it anti-American? Because
18: when you look at the squad and you literally dissect their statements, it is incredibly concerning. OK, when you look at Omar and and when she focuses on let's be compassionate and tell a judge that, you know, we need to be compassionate towards these men who are planning to join ISIS, when they start going after uh, Jewish lawmakers saying that there's dual loyalty, when you have another congresswoman part of the squad saying that she has a calming feeling about the Holocaust, that is incredibly concerning. Well, when you have the fair, fact that you have Mercedes, Cortez basically you know calling well. our border patrol agents Nazis and our detention centers okay. concentration camps, while so, these Democrats have done nothing, Mercedes, very some little of the, some to of those, stop the, some of those the the con- continue uh, humanitarian crisis that we're seeing at the border. That to me is concerning. When they, okay, are, that's a sp- they
17: policy are pushing to speak, but I, I forward
18: don't... socialist ideas, Jim. That okay. are not.
17: Co-
4: the president this morning tweeted that they don't love their country. I, you've made that point. Mark. The rest yes. of the p- world is also watching this, though. That's right. Um, Canada's prime minister said the comments made were hurtful, wrong, completely unacceptable. Germany's chancellor said these sentiments are in opposition to her impressions about the U.S., and she expressed solidarity in her words with the attacked women. The prime minister of the U.K. issued a statement condemning this, of New Zealand. These aren't members of the media. These are world leaders. Should Americans find the comments from the president acceptable? Margaret, listen, I know
24: you want to continue to talk about this as though it had to do with race. I know you want to continue to talk about it. You as think though it all had- those world leaders Margaret, I just let, you, I just let you go through. Look, I don't think the American people are going to look to foreign leaders to tell us who should lead the nation. They're not going to look to foreign leaders to tell us whether or not we should be a socialist country. Thank goodness we won't do that. We depend upon those people who are elected. And I think that when you see the the Democratic members of Congress uh, standing up and saying that they want to, you know, that that we have concentration Mm -hmm. camps on our borders, that they want to provide free health care for illegal immigrants, that they want to end private health insurance, that they want to impose socialism on this country, they need to defend those policy positions. And we are going to take every opportunity to make sure the American people who are the ones that are going to make this choice uh, come mm-hmm. November 2020, recognize the fundamental choice that we're all facing. I
4: want to get to you on Iran, but I, I just do want to point out that there are two black-elected Republicans who said that this was racially insensitive, Mar- and another Republican, Mark the, Mar- Walker, Mar- said it was painful. that's not the media. Excuse but me, but on you Iran- t- listen, you
24: just continue to sort of put these little points out there and then move on. And every time you do it, you are making the point I'm making. As Republicans, we are focused. Focused on substance, we are focused on policy, and we will continue to do that no matter what the mainstream media attempts to do.
4: All right. Unfortunately, now we don't have time to talk about Iran. But well, thank you, you should have much. asked about Iran sooner because that's a policy issue. I would love to. If the president tweets Great. about it, we certainly will, because I know you uh, have. He has tweeted about Iran. Actually, about actually, he's tweeted about Iran quite a bit. It'd be good to cover all the presidents. I would love tweets. to. Great. Thank you very much. Thank but we have to much. go now to the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Sheen. <laughs>
5: Take tweet of the day!
6: If this works, no war with Iran. And it also means no nuclear bomb in Iran. And it means this president will have achieved the only diplomatic, world transforming achievement big enough to make us forget all about him, also ending 50 years of cartoonishly failed and ridiculous U.S. policy toward Cuba, which he also did a few minutes ago. We don't know if the Iran deal is going to work. If it does, it will be the major foreign policy achievement, not only of this presidency, but of this American generation. At which point, people in the not-too-distant future will look back at this presidency. They'll look back at this president, and they'll say, oh, of course they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize. Of course they did. We begin tonight with one of the most historic days in the Obama presidency,
14: and a potentially transformative moment for American foreign policy. Today's announcement of a deal after 20 months of intense grueling negotiations demonstrates the value of a commitment to
19: the transformative power of American diplomacy. So please, Stephen Miller, please, Donald, Donald, you're making a fool of yourself again. This is very badly for you. Speaking of which, Elise, um, all of this is deeply offensive, but I'm already tired. all the op-eds I'm going to have to read. After Donald Trump loses in a landslide. People saying, well, of course, this was due to happen because his bigotry only appealed to one-third of the electorate. That will happen. Just like we said, Donald Trump could win. I'm telling you, that will happen. This This is what gets me. This is such a losing proposition. This is the politics of subtraction. There is no way this leads to victory. This gets women, suburban voters, uh, educated voters, uh, of course, people of color. It gets them fired up in a way that they'll they'll go out to vote. Whereas this depresses a lot of support for Donald Trump. I, I, that's what I don't understand, at least why he's being a bigot and a racist thinking that that's going to help him get elected it's not it's going to ensure that he is routed next year
2: i thought that was a good just position obama's god and trump's not winning no he's not book it joe scarborough katherine fomicky starts off our hate tweets turns out all you need to express your hatred of journalists is clothing form in 990 to be given to forever 21 wow so affordable Boxer shorts that said fake news. Pamela Wood, this is not funny, cute or fashionable. Why are you selling this product? And then we get a reality check from Dana Loesch. By the way, Pamela says her questioning of Forever 21 is just stating an opinion but originally, she was our original from Bloomingdale's. Hi, Bloomingdale's. Apologizing for any offense we may have caused is not a sincere apology. This is not about journalists' hurt feelings. This is about damage done to our democracy when your brand Jones joins in perpetuating and celebrating the idea of fake news. Please try again. And that was back when they had a fake news shirt. Yeah. These journalists are so touchy. Nasty Washington Post obit hammers defiantly abrasive conservative editor. The Piper's obituary for long time, Washington Times editor Wesley Pruden dripped with contempt for the abrasive conservative. I just wanted to put it in there because that's pretty much what we have every time a conservative dies. You do... He died, and he was a bad person. When they're a liberal, they died. How dare you bring up their faults? It's like when Bill Clinton dies. How dare you say he was impeached in the House of Representatives? And he used cigars as dildos. You will be castigated. Our right, next one's from NBC. Face app. NBC was pushing the FaceApp. I used it. It's pretty interesting. It does a good job of making you old. But then they found out it's done by Russians, and they ran from it because their audience is straight-up liberal.
7: We'll take a look at the growing old photo craze gone viral, the celebrities taking part, and we join in on
12: the fun.
10: Everybody seems to be talking about this. There's a new app that's gone viral. Stars are getting in on the action. We're getting in on the action. 80 million people are on this app right now. It's called FaceApp and the app's got a feature it's got it can do a bunch of things one of the things people seem to be having fun with is it makes you look older <laughs> like a lot older <laughs> yeah. this one in particular the ai that they use is spot how,
7: how does it go viral it's so funny like one day it's it's and and about space it's the hottest app on the planet but what exactly is the russian company behind it doing with your photos and private information
1: while everyone is having fun seeing their older selves What is the Russian-based company behind FaceApp actually doing with all of our photos?
22: Everybody was having fun with it yesterday.
7: We got in on it, too. But now there are some serious privacy concerns being raised about FaceApp.
25: It's all fun and games until somebody reads the fine print. And in the case of this latest craze, FaceApp, using their aging filters or any other filter means you've handed over the rights to your pictures to a Russian company that can do whatever they want with them. And that is raising
2: a lot of questions. The funny thing is a normal news agency wouldn't do that if they didn't know that their base is straight-up liberal. Then we have some more of the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. The White House celebrating 50 years since Apollo 11 with true American icons Astro M. Collins and the real Buzz, Buzz Aldrin. Just had an excellent meeting with President Donald Trump, we discussed America's future in space, ways to address space challenges, and the need to keep exploring beyond the horizon. Keeping America great in space. This made the world lose their mind. Seriously, you're a coward for standing there with that awful excuse for a human being. Do you support Donald Trump's racist statements? What about the sender back? And on and on and on. And now Buzz Aldrin is a piece of shit. If it wasn't that, then it was people interpreting his facial expressions to not like him. They can't let anything just be. It has to be political. And Neil deGrasse Tyson is our next example. The Apollo 11 mission patch, no American flag, no space hardware, no astronaut names in that regard, unique among space emblems. Affirmation that walking on the moon was achievement of human species to be shared by all. Stephen Miller, yes, that's why they planted a human species flag on the moon And they use the bald eagle, you dolt. Actual normal Twitter user. The Apollo 11 patch is one of the two with no names on it. The other is Apollo 13's. The idea was that the first lunar landing belonged to everyone, not just the crew. The eagle symbolizes both the United States and the lunar modules. And the olive branch is there as a symbol of peach. That's actually why they did it. Everybody in the world said, maybe, Neil, you need to research for you go on a liberal, social, justice, warrior, virtue signal. Yeah. Our next hate tweet, David S. Joachim provides it. De Blasio calls for government takeover of Con Ed due to power failures. They really not need to stop listening to that poll that female young females want socialism, folks. That's not America. It's a poll you took. Daily Beast is our next. Attacks Hall of Famer Mario Rivera over far-right politics. So he goes in the Hall of Fame, and now he's a piece of shit because he served a racist president, was a conservative, and needs to not be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. We'll get right on that, libs. New York Times, page one article from last Sunday. New paranoid Red Scare versus China. Once dismissed as xenophobes and fringe elements, the group's members are finding their views increasingly embraced in Washington, where skepticism and mistrust of China has taken hold. And now, for some reason... The New York Times is already saddling up to China as a great country where human rights are fucking shit on. But guess what? They're better than Trump to these people. Evan Smith brings our next. Wendy Davis will run for Congress challenging Chipro Yitz. It was, it, in what will be one of the marquee races of 2020. I'm running for our children and grandchildren so they can live in love. I'm running for Congress because people's voices are still being silenced. I'm running for our children and grandchildren so they can live and love and fight for change themselves. Early Monday morning, Davis announced her candidacy for the Democratic nomination in Central Texas. Miss abortion with her own New Balance tennis shoes. Yeah, we'll get right up on that shit, you fucking Wahoos. I have a bunch of tweets, I'm not going to read them all, I'm not trying to make this a condensed podcast, but from Bette Midler, Franken's accuser, and all her right mind glo- wing glory, Al was forced to resign without everything, anything resembling due process, amid her allegations that something untoward happened between them. Read about it, it came from a New York Times article, unlike Biden though, Franken was caught on camera. And they basically dogged Biden and are still butthurt because Franken resigned. Because once again, Me Too is just for you if you're not one of us. That's why I covered it. To uber hate that we have, and we, we haven't done it in a while, I've been kind of ignoring it. Ivanka Trunk, meet winner. Abriel, birthday dream come true, and the newest member of the Kushner family. Michael Levante, Biff, condolences on your sister replacing you as her favorite puppy. By the way, does your family allow anything in their lives that's not white? Caleb Hole, happy tone-deaf Sunday, y'all, because you got a white dog. Emily Brandwin, a blue check. Her dad put kids in cages and throws vile racist attacks against four congresswomen. So, yeah, I think it's a little tone-deaf to be tweeting about a dog, especially... A white dog. They are so racist, they got the whitest dog they could find. There's a whole lot of other kids who have a dream too. It's to be able to brush their teeth, shower, sleep in a safe bed and be with their parents. But you separated them like Obama. But we didn't care when Obama did it. You know you're a piece of shit when a dog tweet. Gets you fired the fuck up. To our tweets of the day. At New York AG James. It's a negative tweet, but it's just funny as shit. This is how they think it works. I'm taking action to defend California's constitutional ban on high-capacity gun magazines. These rapid-fire bullet delivery systems endanger the safety of all Americans and have no place in our homes. Will continue to protect our communities from acts of preventable gun violence. A, it's a state law you really can't help. And what in the name of Zeus's ass crack is rapid fire bullet delivery system? It's a magazine, you dolt. Jesus freaking Christ. Comical. Democrats start petition to ban Trump rallies. Wednesday, during the Trump's Make America Great rally in North Carolina, and send her back chant broke out. Everybody lost their mind. Uh-huh. And it goes into Trump. So, even though the president denounced the chant, liberals are change.com are starting a petition to ban President Trump from holding campaign rallies because of the brief send her back chant that broke out. Executive Director of Guns Down America, Igor Volsky, oh, he sounds Russian, but he's a good guy? Hmm. Introduced the petition on Twitter, noting, in light of the racist sender back chants at Trump rally on Wednesday, started a petition urging AEG Worldwide, which owns U.S. Bank Arena, to cancel Trump's upcoming racist campaign rally. I'm not reading anymore. They go on to do every one of them. They're trying to find a way that he can have political rallies. Yeah, we'll see how far that goes, Biff. Who's the fascist now? CNN winds Twitter, making it harder for Dems to win in 2020. The liberal media think Twitter is censoring Democrats, but not in the same way that it censors conservatives. And a piece on CNN.com Is Twitter making it harder for Democrats to win? Chris Saliza wrote that it's dangerous to assume that the judgment made on Twitter are reflective of the broader judgments of the Democratic Party. It's not Twitter that's censoring the Democrats, but rather more extreme progressives blocking the views of moderates because the more insane opinions sell and get the most attention. People with more moderate liberal views are afraid to speak on Twitter. But what Silliza doesn't admit is that liberal journalists and politicians are to blame for this phenomenon. While Silliza and the people in the poll he cited might not agree with the viewpoints being shuffled around on Twitter, the politicians do. In a February op-ed in Bloomberg, Tyler Cowan noted that Ilhan Omar tweeted her opposition to Israel. She went against the grain. Most people in America are pro Israel, Cowan asserts. New York Times argued a similar position in April. The views of Democrats on social media often bear little resemblance to the regular Democrats. And basically what they're trying to say in this stupid fucking piece is that your base is bunch of nut jobs. Twitter supports the nut job. Hey Chris, your fucking network does. Your network supports the nut job theories. From the GND, to transgender rights, to rolling out stories about child predators who didn't get their ball sack waxed. Yeah. That's you. That's you, folks. So, it's hard for normal people to see moderate Democrats because there are none running for president, Chris Salissa. Zero. And that's why it's a tweet of the day. Lastly, a wedding. This would have been viral if it was Obama, but because it was Trump, it wasn't. A couple who were supporters of Trump had a wedding. He showed up. The crowd went crazy. It was a lot like Obama idolatry. But I wanted to cover it because good for them, being brave in these time of days, To actually support the president says more about you than you get from the rest of these fucking sheep who bow down to democratic politics. On the other side, we're going to have a music break. We're going to come into our lighter fare, our articles today, and we'll close the show with This is America. And it's a doozy.
18: Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reid.
2: lighter fare. Hindsight is twenty-twenty. 4 out of 10 adults regret their life choices. Article goes, life is full of decisions from seemingly small decisions like what to eat for dinner to much more consequential ones such as choosing your career to pursue. We're all faced with numerous choices on a daily basis. It's human nature to look back at roads we didn't take and wonder, what if? Yet a new survey conducted in England has revealed that a staggering amount of people are unhappy with the way they live their lives, according to a survey of 2,000 British adults commissioned by UK charity Consortium. Remember, a charity. Four out of ten people regret how much how they lived their lives so far. All of the regrets seem to be big motivator as well. With 40 percent of respondents claiming that they want to make some positive changes in the near future. All of us will die one day. None of us know when the time might come, and none of us want to have regret about what we've missed out on or how we lived our lives, commented Deborah James, founder member of You, Me, and the Big C. More specifically, 3 and 10 would like to be remembered as charitable. 4 and 10 want their closest loved ones to remember their generosity. However, despite most people's desire to be remembered in a positive life, Most respondents say they expect to be remembered as moody or anxious. Close to half of those surveyed said they regret focusing so much on financial success as opposed to more meaningful endeavors. I think it's how you look at your life. It took me a long time to come to the realization the only accomplishment I'll have is my marriage and my family. That's it. That's all you're going to have. Nobody's going to remember you unless you cure cancer or create a better cell phone. Then they won't remember you then either. Nobody even remembers the guy who created this cell phone. Thought it was kind of interesting. Our next one is from Lauren, L-A-U-R-X-N 97, follow, follow. Uh, Touching tribute in the underground to the late Chester Bennington. Somebody wrote this up, and if you're a Lincoln Park fan you will catch that it's made up of lyrics, or excuse me, song titles. Date for everyone. Time. Rest in peace, Chester Bennington, Lincoln Park. One more light gone out from the earth that will shine on in music forever. And it goes like this. If you feel powerless inside a castle of glass and you believe I'm talking to myself, if your heart feels heavy like a stone, please know you're not alone. So don't be embarrassed of your mental health if you're feeling numb from waiting for a light that never comes. And you have given up in the shadow of the day. From crawling, you will walk in You open up and talk and be one step closer to finding another way from the inside. Don't be lost in the echo of silence with the violence of solitude in mind. Seek assistance to deal with the catalyst of the problems. There are people who can help leave them behind. Don't ever feel ashamed or feel guilty all the same. In the end, all we have is each other. There are ears that will listen and arms that will hold you and steps that help you recover. Wherever you are in the world, there are people and chromatations that will listen and help you. Huh. Thought that was pretty good. Even had a number to a mental health line. I do miss him. And Chris Cornell. And it's pretty sad. Here's a first look at the 2020 pinups for Vets calendars. You can buy this at www.pinupsforvets.com. And they even had an address. The Pin-Ups are all dressed up as 50s women in dresses. It's very proper. It's very nice. And the models are Andrea Lewis. She was from the army. Lewis spent seven and a half years in the U.S. Army, serving one combat tour in Iraq from 2005 to six. She completed her service as a sergeant in the dental field. Erica Velasquez from the Coast Guard served 15 years as a Coast Guard medical cor- corpsman and was stationed in Savannah, Georgia. Um, Erica Davis joined the army in 2001 before 9-11 and served in military police. She deployed to Iraq. In 2003 and separated in six with the rank sergeant. Jessica Bowling from the Army. Bowling served eight years in the Army supporting explosive order and disposal operations with the 70, 760th Ordnance Company. She deployed to Afghanistan as part support of the 10th Mountain Division. Leah Ann Sweeney from the Marines. Sweeney served as a motor transport operator with the Marine Corps from 1998 to 2002. And Gina Ellis, the founder of Pin Up for Vets. Thought that was pretty cool. Then we have two funnies from Zach in Tennessee. Number one, this face app stuff is incredible, and it's a picture of Iliad Omar and Osama Bin Laden after. It's actually not funny. It's truth. The next one, California must now rename the Great White Shark. Introducing the mediocre Caucasian fish. (laughs) Those are good ones. Thanks, Zach. And anybody who's been in the conservative circles or just paying attention this week, there was a big thing that happened. Georgia State Representative Erica Thomas. And I saved it for This Is America. Because as it flows through, it is one of the worst things I've seen this week. Because it was all Jussie
23: Smollett. This is America. Don't catch your slipping now. Don't catch your slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch your slipping now. Don't catch your slipping now.
5: It's time for the last sound Like the media say slipping, when on. they are Look pushing.
23: Liberal
3: oh, this and this, yeah. is this is America in
23: 2019. So, you know I decided? I decided to go live. Because I'm very upset. Because people are getting really out of control with this. With this white privilege. Stuff. I'm at the grocery store, and I'm in the ten out the aisle that says ten items or less. Yes, I have fifteen items, but I'm not much pregnant, and I can't stand up for long. And this white man comes. This white man comes up to me and says, "You lazy son of a bitch." He says, "You lazy son of a bitch." You need to go back where you came from. And he says that. I said, son, you don't even know me. I'm not lazy. I'm not much pregnant. He says, you're ignorant. You're ignorant. And I'm not ignorant. And it hurt me so bad. I'm sorry, y'all, because everything in me wanted to just. Tell him I'm, who I am and, and how I know. But I couldn't, I couldn't get anything out. I could just tell him, please leave me alone, please. And my child is just sitting right there. Is that mama? Why would he call you that? Why would he do that? <laughs> I can't even explain to her why he has so much hate in his heart. <laughs> And calls you a son of it! And I am facing the man that degraded me and berated me. And I'm not crying. No, I'm not. I'm standing right in front of you. And if you know how you made me feel yesterday. If you know how you made back my daughter off, feel. Back
12: off before I call the police. Call
23: the police right now. Because back they off. are looking, for you. They are looking to for you. I already talked to them. I already talked to them. okay. I am so back happy off. that you're here. And I I'm happy that everybody needs to see this man that did this to me. And he thinks that he gets a five minutes of fame? You think that you're going to come up when you see police? When you see SB, SB 46, you think you're going to come up here and get a spotlight? No, you're not. The only spot that you're going to get is everybody needs to see the man that Ma'am, did this to a woman that's nine months pregnant. Are you a state legislator? A state legislator? Nobody is here for you. Are you a state Nobody
5: legislator?
2: So she went to Facebook or Twitter and decided to put this out. Today I was verbally assaulted in a grocery store by a white man who told me I was a lazy son of a bitch and to go back to where I came from because I had too many items in the express lane. My husband wasn't there to defend me because he's on active duty serving the country I came from, the United States. Lauren Post, WSB News Station, just received an email from a man who says he was the one who spoke with Representative Thomas of public. He says he was actually the one attacked and said he never said what she claimed he did. My colleague, C. Jenning, WSB, is speaking with him, and we'll have an update at 6. We were getting ready to interview Representative Erica Thomas outside the Publix, where she says a man called her the B-word and told her to go back where she came from. Well, that man was already there at the Publix because he wanted to speak to management. She confronted him. This is Erica Sparks. He said, Eric Sparks, sorry, he said he did call Erica Thomas the B-word, but says the other things you said are not true. think maybe everyone should have at least, very least, gotten some basic details on this one before BuzzFeed hosts and journos began tweeting, and it became a Twitter moment. Ryan Savandra, Georgia Democrat Eric Eric uh, Thomas, claims a white man told her to go back where I came from. The guy is a Cuban Democrat, and he says that he didn't say that, and that she's doing this for political gain. He defended the squad this week on Facebook against Trump attacks. Today, blah, blah, blah. You see all this shit. Trump needs to go back to Germany and his Nazi roots. For the Trumpers that grew up, this, this is a hidden and outright vocal bigotry, ignorance and racism, I experienced at times, because my grandmother did not speak English. Richard Elliott the man State Representative Thomas encountered a grocery store just sent me a statement reacting to her morning newser. Miss Thomas has taken an innocuous situation that began on my part to be about being inconsiderate and turn it into a national case about race. Eric Sparks' statement continues. Miss Thomas accuses me of telling her to go back to wherever those words were never spoken. She backtracked slightly, and now it's changing her story. I'm in the process of exploring one attorney, a defamation lawsuit against her. A Democrat sues a Democrat. I love it. If you missed the backstory about Georgia Democrat lawmaker saying a white man, blah, 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 now that the white man who verbally abused Georgia's... Su- State Rep. Thomas, his grocery store Saturday, has come forward to spoken to the press the camera, and Cameron Deny the Charges. People are checking out his social media accounts to see just what sort of mega Trump supporter would tell a black woman to go back. As it turns out, the white guy is a Cuban immigrant and Democrat who just defended the squad against Trump's racist tweets, told the president to go back to Germany and his Nazi roots, and recently posted about his own experience with hidden and outright vocal bigotry. I'd play or walk back. I'm not going to, because then she started fucking tap dancing. But by now, it was out of the bag. Twitter moments. Bill de Blasio, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It begins with a tweet, then a chant. Now a racist attack on a nine-month pregnant lawmaker and a military wife just trying to feed her family. Ted Lieu, who then deleted it. Both Trump and GOP have grossly underestimated the number of Americans who experience this racist go back insult. We all know how it hurts, and we're going to vote. I predict a dem way in twenty twenty just like we had in twenty eighteen. NBC News. Two hours after it's found that it's bullshit. A black Georgia State lawmaker said a white man cursed her in front of her young daughter and told her to go back to where she came from because he thought she had too many items in express checkout line at a grocery store. Two hours late. And the NGO, Erica Thomas been really willing to back her visceral claim a white race is told to go back to where she came from. Reporter C.J. Jennings asked her about the accusation while in front of the man. Fake news alert. It turns out the white guy accused of berating the black Georgia lawmaker in the grocery store is a lifelong Democrat and a never-Trumper. He's also Cuban, not white. Erica Thomas in her own words. I now feel comfortable calling this a hate hoax. The past 24 hours is a good case study on how the MSM machine and social media work together to amplify unconfirmed and outlandish narratives of American racism. Chris Jose, Cobb PD says after a thorough investigation, there will be no charges filed in the public dispute between Thomas and Sparks. Ryan Penny, hi Erica Thomas, it's been quite a week for you, hoping you'll learn a lot this week, let's review three things and we'll hope you've learned, there's a camera everywhere, 10 items or less means 10 items or less, and finally, the internet is forever, here is a tweet by her, my heart goes out to Nicholas Cruz, some don't know how to cope with being an orphan, I thank God every day for getting me through the system in one piece. He was the shooter at Stoneman Douglas. Yeah. Here's Tucker on it. The fact of the matter is, there is now this article that came out this morning, and I forgot to pop it up. After the investigation, and the media is not reporting this, police report disputes Georgia lawmaker count a public incident. Witness, State Representative Thomas told Eric Sparks, go back where you came from. It's the opposite. She said it. He did not say it. That's all over local news in Georgia, but our media doesn't want to recant because it's good to use this against Trump. See, Trump says it, and a white Latina, just like we went through in Florida shooting all so long ago, which is not a classification, a Caucasian Latina,
10: said it to her. Here's Tucker. Well, in the state of Georgia last week, two people got into an argument at a supermarket in a sane society. That would be the end. No one would have heard about it. And those involved would have moved on with their lives. This is no longer a sane society, however. So when a fellow shopper told Georgia lawmaker Erica Thomas she had too many items to use the express checkout lane, she immediately accused him of being evil and attacked him on the basis of his race. Watch.
23: People are getting really out of control with this with this white privilege. And this white man comes up to me and says, you lazy son of a bitch. The hate is real. And for that white man to come up to me and call me a son of a bitch and lazy and go back where I came from because he had a couple items that he wanted to get in front of me. And he said I had 20 items in a 10 item line. What will make you that angry to yell at somebody like that? But y'all see Elon Omar, and y'all see all this stuff about center back and stuff like that. But it's getting out of control. There's so much hate in this world, and it's being incited by our president every single day.
10: Uh huh. So the press, having forgotten the last two or three or was it four dozen fake hate crimes, immediately believed Thomas completely and blamed the administration for creating a climate of hate. They would still believe her now if the man she accused didn't come forward on his own. But he did come forward. His name is Eric Sparks. and He's not a member of the Klan, it turns out. He is Cuban and he's a Democrat. He's an avid Democrat, a liberal Democrat. And he says that Thomas lied completely about what happened. Thomas didn't even fight back. In an interview with local television station, she had backtracked. And she said that, actually, Sparks never said, go back where you came from. Huh? But it didn't matter to the New York Times. Good journalists are supposed to state the key facts first. New York Times does the opposite. Their headline said this, quote, Go back where you came from, Georgia lawmaker says she was told. Actually, she said she was not told that. In the story, the Times waited 14 paragraphs before telling you, the reader, that Thomas had actually retracted her phony accusation, which seems like Fraud. Robbie Suave is Associated at Reason Magazine and the author of Panic Attack Young Radicals in the Age of Trump, and he joins us tonight. Robbie, you've done journalism your whole adult life. If you run a story with a headline that is completely false, and you know it's false, and in fact, at graph 14, you concede it's false, that's not really journalism, is it? That's something else.
25: No, it's not. Uh, It's not uh, much of a story. Uh, It sort of starts to make you wonder. Why was this even written? Who decided a trivial right. uh, dispute between two stressed out shoppers is a national news item? And not only a national news item, but one that, that confirms all the sort of worst biases of the New York Times readers about uh, right, exactly. what's going on in Trump's America, et cetera, et cetera? Everything, every story must be about Trump, right? Somehow it's about racism in Trump. When we get to it, and with that angle has to be in there. We just have to find it. That's the operating thinking of so many people in the mainstream media. Uh, when this was just, this was not news. This was something that happened that just happens to people. And, you know, I think the guy was kind of a jerk. I think she was kind of a jerk. People yeah. are jerks to each other. That's it. There's no story here.
10: So maybe this, the real point of the story had nothing to do with Erica Thomas or Sparks, the apparently falsely accused perpetrator. But it's really about the people writing the story. And the message they're sending is we're good people. We're not like the president. We're virtuous. I mean, it does seem like stories like this are really a kind of narcissism that are designed to make the person telling the story seem like a really good person
25: yes they want they're good and they want you to be angry they want you to be confused and angry and think that everyone is out to get you because that's what sells more newspapers or attracts more people to click on the article if there's you know people are there's something you should be mad about and everyone's mad about it and why aren't you worked up enough yet um is the kind of ethos (laughs) that prevails in this like social media culture where you see something looks bad you've decided there's no need to follow up and you know these stories are Always more complicated, even even when they're yes. true. There's always something more complicated about them, and we we're, we're we're too quickly we're not looking into that because nope, we know what we think already, um, and it must be that this is about Trump, of course. You
10: would think the New York Times would be above that, but in fact they're beneath it. Robbie Schwabe, deep. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's like Jesse Smollett all
2: over again. If I were to go out and get beat down by BLM. Only local news would cover it and they'd cover it briefly and it would go away. It would not become a national news story because a white guy getting beat to death or partially beaten almost to death by black people isn't a story in America. It doesn't fit the narrative that they need to get Democrats elected, that everybody's a bunch of fucking racists, that cops and white people are running around in their KKK garb killing people. That's the story. And they latched onto this because let's be honest. The go back tweet, which said come back after you fixed your own country, we're admitting that, is fitting the narrative that Trump's a racist piece of shit and that Trump's word incite violence. Not that Bernie Sanders supporter had an assassination list trying to kill people. Not that Antifa is beating the fuck out of people all over the place. Not that people are getting kicked out of restaurants and harassed and beaten because they're wearing manga shit. That doesn't fit our narrative, so we don't cover it. We still play one fucking video of some white kids in Alabama going, Make America great. And that was their proof that all these people were using Trump words to be violent when the inverse is true. And now you have a case of a black woman saying a white guy who's actually Latina, because she didn't really want to classify him as that, because he's too pale-skinned for her, because she doesn't like white people, said go back. She cooks up some tears. She throws out a Twitter thing. And witnesses now prove it was her who said go back. She was the xenophobe. And the media is silent. Totally silent. They're also silent on the next two soundbites, which is our This Is America 2, New York police officers having water thrown on them by fucking African-American thugs in the street in New York, and Antifa protesters in Aurora still carrying on saying some hateful shit.
3: No, they not. No, the fuck they not. Oh, my God, they came over here to talk shit up that they violated
22: Yo, they violated them.
3: They violated them.
5: No, they violated them. Oh, they not stopping. Oh, my God. Y'all get back in your car. Black. Black. Oh, Oh, my God. Look, they laughing at them. (laughs) What they saying? Oh. I, I, don't that law. Law. I don't get a flag! I don't get a flag! Back up,
2: back up, back up, back up! Savannah. That flag
18: and the no. troops are the reason yeah. you're able to out here. You're a, a fucking like a bitch. bitch! You're a Wait, fucking bitch! Privilege ass! Bitch! Get the fuck out of here!
14: Now! You're a cobra shell. Fuck the troops.
18: I'm
4: here at the Aurora Ice Facility where protesters decided to take down the American flag and put a Mexican flag in its place. I'm appalled that politicians like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have promoted this behavior and disrespected our country, our flag, and our law enforcement. I'm here to show support for our law enforcement and our country and everything that our flag stands for.
20: God bless America and
18: God bless our law
20: enforcement.
18: White supremacists! Oh white supremacists! Or yeah. what? We also have the
19: right. No matter
1: which side we're on. Or what? Hey. We also hey. have what? the right to huh? that Huh?
18: I'm gonna flag. get out of your face. Or what? I have a question for you now. Hmm? You are more concerned with a fucking piece of cloth than people who are locked in cages. Children. Right? In front of you. You know that Sweet. flag and those troops. I the don't get flag.
2: flag I don't no, get flag back up, back up, back up. No, Savannah. That no, flag
18: no, and the no, troops are the reason yeah. you're able to out here. You're the a fucking bitch! Like you're Wait, a fucking was the last time ass, you
5: fought for Privileged
18: ass bitch! Yeah. Get the fuck out of here! Now
5: Optics.
18: I will fucking Nothing
14: matters.
5: You don't know me! You don't know where I'm from! You don't know where I'm can Defend
14: this if she can stand here and defend this, Optics will never matter.
20: You can actually video.
14: stand here and say that you. All
20: I, this I support the troops, and I don't. I'm okay. You guys can not oh, so We can have fuck oil from other countries. countries. You
18: support the troops yeah, right. so that we can have oil and kill innocent people for oil. Co-
14: That's I cool.
12: Your cobra shell.
14: Fuck the troops.
18: You support the
14: troops but, like, so that what can we kill
18: like, can
23: kill people for oil? Me go me ahead, ahead and, pro- and fucking freedom this freedom right like go ahead and distribute this shit. Go ahead
12: and
18: distribute They're it. Go ahead. No, like, go ahead and distribute what? it. Go
23: ahead. What are they specific? Go ahead
18: and distribute it. What is Oh! oh, oh yeah, no, fuck the troops. Bitch, go ahead and fucking distribute it. Bitch, what's up, ho? Fuck you. Yeah, I hope this shit goes viral. Fuck the troops because all they do
22: is fucking kill people.
2: Utter bullshit. Under Bill de Blasio, those New York cops couldn't do a fucking thing because it's so out of control. On American Ferrara's American Divided, they had one of those cop watchers. So every time when these incidents happens, people film it, and they're waiting for the cop to retaliate for being assaulted because they threw buckets at him and everything, and the cops just have to get in their car and walk away. That's the country liberals have made. Heroes, in blue, have to take shit from fucking thugs. Our last This Is America, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. This story hurt me on a level that I don't even know how to even articulate it. It's going to come across as racist because it's a bunch of black people, and that's probably why the media didn't cover it. But a Georgia mother, 26, is charged with murder after fatally dropping her three-month-old baby during a fight with a woman outside a beauty store, then lying about how she became injured when she took him to the hospital. There is actual video from surveillance cameras of her picking a fight with the child in her arms and then going to full melee and just chucking the fucking baby. I don't know what it says about our society, That that's not a news story. Just because, by chance, the person who committed the crimes assault on another person and killing a baby is a person of color. It is one of the most horrendous things I've ever seen. I've only seen something close to it, and that was on Live PD, where a guy used his under a year old baby as a human shield trying to get away from a cop and dropped his baby when he ran. It was on live TV. Now before somebody in Berkeley who listens to this picks it apart, he's saying black people do this, you can't pull a Trump on me. I didn't say they did it because they're black. I'm saying because it's a black person, it's not a news story. It's not even a local story. It was in the Daily Mail. Our media wouldn't cover it. It's a horrible story. But it only counts if they're people in detention centers, right? That's the only time we cover poor treatment of kids? That shows the hypocrisy Of everything that we're living through right now. Totally displayed in Erica Thomas. Our media is so fast to find something to get Trump. They don't even research it. They just run it. And it makes you think about the rest of the shit they've ran. We have proven on this show since 2016, democracy is dying in the dark because there are no facts first. There's just emotion. We hate Trump. We want Trump gone. So we run whatever the fuck we can. And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share us with family and friends. Send comments about the track by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com, FOP, Podcast, gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Pocket Static, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the Facebook page at FOP Podcast and our Twitter page at FOP Tony Reed. Our next show, let's shoot for Monday, Monday, Monday. 29 July, year of our Lord, 2019. Until then, enjoy the cool weather in the south. I'm telling you, there's no humidity, and it was like 59 degrees this morning when we woke up. Almost nipply outside. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yes. Please keep sending your listener submissions. It's nice to do the show when I have other people's content. And enjoy yourself, and enjoy your family. As always, thanks for listening and take care.
5: Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.